0: You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast.
1: Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents Pods from the Penalty Box, a nostalgic sampling of skate punk albums from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Join us in the
2: pit.
1: I'm Andrew. I'm John. And this is our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. this will be our last album discussion episode for the dudes from we don't i don't know we don't we've never we didn't come up with a, a nickname for i mean for ace. ace
3: is kind of the ace is kind of the nickname thing. we could have yeah. called him like ace trebs or something
1: act <laughs>
3: act would yeah, what, like you get on
1: that act bro
3: Bro, I got a 26 on that new ACT <laughs> album. I don't know. That's that was my score, by the way.
1: <laughs> you did better than me, bro. Really?
3: I retook it and did worse. So Oh man. Oh, well.
1: I I was like, I mean, I was just so bad at standardized tests. Yeah. It's almost like standardized tests don't really are not like an indication hmm. of your intelligence hmm. or wow. you're you're like talking this, this is, is a, wild talk here. This is a hot take <laughs> that no one has ever had before. Yeah. No, I, uh, I did. I think I got. I think I got a twenty-two, um, wow. which was. Good enough to get into North Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, uh, as someone who worked for North Park, uh, there is no score <laughs> too low that we wouldn't let you in. Uh, anyway, <laughs> 22 is perfectly respectable. Yeah. Perfectly serviceable. Well, perfectly
1: serviceable uh, standardized test score. score. Yeah. Uh, it was my one and only standardized test for college that I took. I did not take, take the SATs. Oh, I did not apply to any other school other than North Park. So <laughs> that yeah. was my one and only college application. And this uh, concludes John and Andrew's. <laughs> and it standardized let us, us hear, so it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So uh, we're not we're going to be covering the 2004 record. It's never enough mm. by our boys, ACT. <laughs> ACT.
4: Uh-huh.
1: Um, but we will get to that. Uh, a little bit later, yes. Um, but first, you know, we're we're gonna gonna have some conversations a little bit later with with a friend of the pod, somebody mm-hmm. who's been on the pod. Mm-hmm. Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? John,
3: spouse of the pod co-host, yes. uh, my wife, uh, Jenny Booth Potter. Yes, we've uh, we were talking off mic as we were prepping for this week. Uh, and talking about how heavy everything felt and the events of the last couple of weeks were coming only a couple of days off the Chauvin verdict as we record here. So we wanted to bring Jenny in, who has a background for folks who don't know, and kind of racial justice work to kind of help us talk through some of this stuff.
1: Yes, uh, we felt like that would be um, an appropriate time to uh, employ some of her experience and other conversations Mm -hmm. um as someone who is uh one of the hosts of the next question um talking about these the complexities of um, racial justice and policing and um you know just conversations around uh black and brown bodies so Mm -hmm. um but we'll get to that in a bit um but we, uh, I feel like we need to talk a little bit about madness of the crowds because you know we we took a week off,
4: mm-hmm.
1: um, and we had some some insights from our dude John Warren. Indeed, he 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 came in with some hot takes. I don't know if they're I don't know if they're hot, <laughs> hot takes. They
3: were- his his remembrance takes his, his his
1: his uh understanding and uh memories of um being recording that record and and his, he was sort of like almost like live tweeting his yeah his experience listening to <laughs> listening to the pod and um so uh we wanted to uh read some of those uh, read some of those back and it was he it was just i just we just want to shout out um john warren uh just being an Solid excellent dude. an excellent dude he's yes. he's just been so cool and we're just um grateful that he's been engaging with us on on some of this stuff and um so why don't we you want to, should we get into some of those, some of the stuff? That- yeah, I should say
3: up top, I got a correction to make, which is that I Ooh. claimed that it was the same uh, four guys who had played on the self-titled record that played on Madness, but he said, no, in fact, uh, Cody Oaks uh, was playing bass on the self-titled, and then Ben Dewey took over for bass on Madness, so mm. uh, that was my bad. He also shared your and others um Disappointment in the mix of the record. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he said he was crushed by it. So that's
1: yeah, sad. I, which is uh, interesting. Um, so you know, so the as as we had indicated that um, Tim Padlin was who produced the record. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also mixed by Tim. Mm-hmm. And then they went on to make another record with him. Yes. So I I do find that curious. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh I don't know the <laughs> don't know the the details for that. But um I I do I do feel like and that was one of my comments was that that I felt like the drums were yeah so mixed like so far back and yeah. he's and he said that the that the drums that that josh just crushed it yeah and but they didn't have the funds to remix it right i um, mean you can
3: tell that he is crushing it on drums uh what I mean, you can't tell is how good it sounds
1: right i mean that's he does um he always crushes it. I mean, from note one of the of their self titled, you're like, oh, right, this right, guy's good.
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: And we were correct, John, about uh, Hojo. Yes, indeed. So, uh, John Warren says that Oh No Hojo is definitely about Howard Johnson hotels, which he hated, <laughs> right. but could occasionally afford. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just it. It was an inside joke. But, right. Uh, uh,
3: shout out also to Mothra. Uh, he said we had some discussion about this. But for Grace has Mothra in the title because the producer thought the guitar riff sounded like a Godzilla monster, <laughs> so it went off to the press with that title on there, which is hilarious. Um, uh, Estella is about the book uh, Great Expectations, which I didn't know as we were listening. And there's a couple uh, literary mentions on the album we'll talk about today, so that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um and he said Numinous probably his favorite right. on the album on a personal level. Yeah. And that they um, merely closed the album with it, which was um what what I had thought. Right. Like this sounded like the closing. Um uh <laughs> but they didn't want to repeat themselves by ending on a weighty drop D track. <laughs> yeah. Probably should have anyway. <laughs>
3: right. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, it was, it was super cool to get all that insight, uh, from the man himself. So thanks, John. Thank you. Um, also wanted to shout out fellow ACT, uh, member (laughs) Isaac, who, uh, played guitar and did background vocals uh, in the early days for ACE. Yes. And, uh, he's also been talking with us a bit, which is awesome. And he, uh, played drums in another band called Robespierre. Uh, who put out uh, an EP a couple years ago that rules? Uh, mm-hmm. So we wanted to shout that out.
1: Yeah. So if you're if you're a fan of, uh, refused style, post punk kind of aggressive shreddy guitars and vocal, just vocal destruction. The the lead singer he's kind of got that, um, that. Refuse style vocal where you feel like he's going to throw out his voice any second, any moment, his vocal cords are just going to collapse in on themselves like a dying star.
3: (laughs) Right on. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, Nice boys all around in that ace troubleshooter.
1: Yeah. They're, I mean, they're Midwest (laughs) boys. So they're, they're nice boys. Um, Yeah. We, we appreciate them. Um, But, John, do you think we should uh, we should get to some voicemails because I
3: think we should. We it's do pretty parched s- too.
1: So, Ooh, what do you got over there? Got a got a weird beer. Ooh, I Here. have
3: a Revolution Brewing from Chicago.
1: Band, big fan, big
3: uh, Freedom of <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I should have prepared. Pursuit <laughs> of Freedom, which is a cherry lime beer. Interesting. Uh, which is actually uh, really tasty. So um, sour. It it is a sour. It, it doesn't like, it doesn't taste. Uh, I mean, it says a session sour ale, so it's not like overpoweringly sour. Uh, like some of these more. Uh, so it's a
1: lower lower ABV, something that you can. Uh, yeah. Something exactly. you can crush on a warm day and not. For get, sure. Not get, wasty shwasty at like two in the afternoon. Exactly. Very tasty. point um, five. Unless that's your goal, you know.
3: Hey, you could have a few of these and be in good shape yeah uh what you got over there
1: um i got bubbly oh yeah yeah bubbly sparkling water a what flavor an orange flavor Mm -hmm. um i'm still kind of in and out of consuming alcohol these days so uh just trying to (laughs) i don't know man i don't know what's (laughs) wrong with my brain no, trying, it, trying to figure what, it out what's wrong with any
3: of our brains right now it's it's tough times all around you do what you you do it helps you yeah what helped say, me recently yes uh which i texted you about was mixing um grape soda with gin uh <laughs> splash of lime yeah dude delightful uh,
1: yeah so um we have officially uh crowned john grape daddy <laughs> that's right uh, i've
3: been i've been getting into to grape stuff lately
1: yeah there's there was a one night you were talking about how grape juice is underrated and, <laughs> and then you were uh you had texted me when you were like at the grocery store you picked up a a, a case of like grape crush I think it was yeah man
3: so, I had like a grape a grape slushy at a dairy queen the other day wonderful dude It's a it's a grape summer
1: yeah Anyway. I'm I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, but I, I I do want to say this that I do I do stand some bubbly products. I yeah. shouted out their mango before. I think their mango sparkling is um, among the best mango flavored uh, I ha- I've had. But uh, underwhelmed by their orange. Mm. I think that Lacroix is the superior in orange, mm. uh, in orange flavored sparkling beverages yeah for those who are interested
3: it might i feel like we regularly say that mango is the best flavor of some of these waters so i think it might be a mango-fied pod taste Ooh. off coming up where we just line up some no, mangoes
1: i think i think we're gonna have to do that mango-fied pod <laughs> we yeah i think we're gonna have to do that we're gonna we should do bracket style we'll do Ooh, yeah we'll have to do a sparkling we'll do a sparkling water uh, college basketball bracket style. <laughs> Hell yeah! Situation. So, it's here.
3: so related to the content of our pod. <laughs> I love how this has become like another element of it. And for those who didn't see our social posts, uh, we we did receive the crushing news mm-hmm. uh, that Starburst will not be a sponsor <laughs> of Magnified Pod.
1: So uh, shout out to Chris at Mars Wrigley. Fuck you. Um, we, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. sending us uh, this email at like two in the morning so uh that's some bullshit because you know nobody's up uh reading reading emails at two in the morning uh mm. at mars Wrigley. um but also uh i will say this he said uh while we would love to help we are unable to offer <laughs> product donations at this time that's not what we were asking. Uh, please be assured that this decision is in this decision in no way reflects a lack of appreciation for the important work you have undertaken. <laughs> at least oh, at least Chris acknowledges <laughs> that MagPod is undertaking oh, yeah. important work. Yes, uh, I but... said,
3: Chris. When did you first hear of Slick Shoes? And he didn't get back to me <laughs> on that. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, he is a fake fan. <laughs> We've always said that about Chris at Mars. Rating. Yeah, man, Ugh, totally sold out. When you took totally job. sold out to, um, to Big Candy. But we will not give up, John. Mm. One of these days, um, yep. one of these days, we will, we will get that. Yep. I mean. Let, let's be real how how who is starburst sponsoring that people are clamoring for a starburst sponsorship that they they, they can't throw a few bones our way
3: yeah man oh yeah all we're asking for is <laughs> to say we're sponsored by starburst <laughs> yeah give us uh, give us, throw like, us some bags of sour gummies
1: at least guys yeah like what 20 give us like 20 bucks an episode or something and <laughs> yeah come on you know like we're not we're not asking for much we're not asking for like you know, we're not asking for like me undies money over here or anything like that. <laughs> oh
3: man, we're gonna we're gonna break through
1: with, with one of these days. SponCon. We, we'll have to. Uh, I don't know. Should we just spam the Mars Wrigley social accounts and <laughs> be like, so.
3: like a lot of people are talking about this magnified <laughs> pod.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll just get a bunch of. Let's just all right, magpod magpod nation. Let's. Um, <laughs> I think it's about time we uh, got you guys on on this on this case. Mm. You should start adding Mars Wrigley. Tell them uh <laughs> tell that made a huge mistake.
3: Yeah, Magpod sent you they're not happy.
1: Like like Joe Bluth, they've made <laughs> a huge mistake. Made a huge
3: mistake, yes.
1: Um that'll be the last time that they cross <laughs> magnified pod. That's right. All um right. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Starbursts, uh we have our boy, Danny Stairs.
5: Hey, what's up, my guys? It's your boy, Danny Stairs here, enjoying the candy discussion. Uh, first off, I want to shout out Andrew. Congrats on that clean bill of from the dentist. Mm. Making me proud. Um, you know, even though you eat all this candy and, and do all these things on your podcast, it's good to know that you're still taking care of your, good, your dental hygiene and uh, making sure that those teeth aren't rotting. That's right. Uh, so keep up the great work on that. I also want to say, vis-a-vis John's comment about his bag of Starbursts being uh, red and pink heavy, you know, this isn't a fave reds. who said, I, I think we know what's happening here. MagPod's really starting to be a, a real influencer in the Star Wars <laughs> And uh, they've started to, you know, really up the uh, the number of pinks and reds in, in all their products probably because they, they, people have spoken. And if Magpod Nation demands it, you know, corporations bow to that. So you have got a strong following, and, and they don't want to, you know, they don't want to be left behind. It's just like. With all the stuff with the Georgia voting law and all the companies that are getting behind that, you guys are just as big as you know injustice in Georgia is making sure that you please the uh, Starburst voters. So keep up the great work, dudes. Magpop for life. Uh,
1: fair enough. Um, you would think uh, <laughs> that if we are swaying uh pink punks and red riders to. Mm. snatch up more fave red packs yeah mars regularly would be like oh shit mm. gotta get where's these guys where's this coming from we gotta get our gotta get that data yeah i and you know i all gotta leads, say all leads back to magnified <laughs> studios
3: um if we're talking about sour gummies i might have to jump ship from uh from being a red rider the captain of the red rider army and mm. might be a, it might be a green guy <laughs> the
1: watermelon we, yeah, we man. don't, we don't have a watermelon, uh, a watermelon nickname just yet. Um, Mel, a melon watermelon Maverick. warriors.
3: Yeah. Melon Mavericks watermelon warriors. Water,
1: watermelon Warriors. I like that.
3: Green guy was my first attempt, but I like this better. Um, <laughs> also an update on, on the dental clean bill of health front. Yeah. I also went to the dentist last week and no cavities for me either. Oh, <laughs> de- <laughs> so celebrate us and our dedication to both candy and uh dental hygiene
1: exactly uh which means we can eat just as much candy as we always have that's the right. lesson i'm taking away from this
3: definitely nobody's fillings are going to fall out on the pod
1: <laughs> as long as it's not my whole tooth which john asserted one episode oh uh, yeah um, good times but i did finish i did finish my bag of the um sour gummies same. I still got, I still got myself uh, a half pack of the duos over here.
3: Man, I've been looking for the duos. I'm not having as much luck with those.
1: No, oh man, no. I, 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 hope this isn't another one of those sweet heat situations where <laughs> right. they find something that's like, oh, this is dope, and then they, and it's this like continue. a limited, limited time offer. Yeah. Um, I still think, still think we need to pressure Starburst to bring back those, those sweet heats.
3: Got a lot of pressure to put on them.
1: Yeah, we do. All right guys, we we have a lot of work to do. We got we have to up our ground game against
3: <laughs> Chris is about to get flooded with emails. Yeah,
1: Chris doesn't know what's going to hit him. <laughs> um we have another Danny Stairs. Uh this is sort of about um our conversation around contextualizing lyrics from decades ago and and kind of discussing them in present day.
5: Hey, what's up guys? Your boy Danny Stairs again. Um, really enjoying the discussion about uh, that struggle to look at these lyrics and, and these things from you know 20 years ago, however long it's been now, she's um, probably even longer on some of them um, through today's lens. But you know, and, and balance that between like where we were then versus where we were now, and and I think you guys do a good job of of saying. You know, when I was, you know, in the scene back then, I would have totally agreed with this, and in fact, you guys even share your own music and things that that, that you did, similar. you had similar messages, or, or you'll share things like that, so, so I think you guys do a good job of balancing that and saying, but now here we are, and like you brought up, uh, you know, you don't have access to uh, the new viewpoints of them, like we do with MXPX, we know where they're at you know as far as faith um and certainly with five iron they've spoken extensively um with, about where each of them are uh well some of them may be more than less than others you know more or less than others but uh certainly as a as a band their theology their 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 viewpoint is much more clearly laid out so i think you guys have done a good job with with what you have available on these other bands um so I, I just want to say I, I understand I'm glad, though, that you guys have that in mind um, and that you are trying to make sure that you consider it and, and temper your thoughts accordingly and then and that you are making sure that it's clear where you're at and, you know, and, and all that. So I, I appreciate that. And then finally, one final thing, if John is worried about being an asshole because John, you know, John is known for being an asshole, uh, I have this great book that i could lend him in fact he could probably just keep it called how to not be an asshole i got it as an anonymous gift i'll never be able to figure out who it could have possibly been from so anyhow if he's interested you let me know toodaloo motherfuckers
3: fascinating
1: is that did you send him this book i i did not i'm assuming uh i'm assuming this is from his ex-wife
3: yeah that was my second guess (laughs) (laughs) um I was about to say, boy, 2021 might be the year that that Danny Stairs goes sincere. All these sincere voicemails lately.
1: I know. Um, You know, he uh he he really kept it close to the chest for uh the first couple seasons and mm. really leaned into that Danny Stairs persona. Yeah. I don't know, like this is almost like where we're getting a Dan Starrett versus (laughs) a Danny Stairs. Yeah. Over here. Danny
3: Stairs. Stayed under the stairs and Dan Starrett marched forth in his <laughs> suit that he wears to be in court um, as a lawyer, in case that wasn't clear. Yes. Um,
1: yes, yes. He's a lawyer. He's not. <laughs> uh, Danny Stairs is not in trouble with the law.
3: Um, but then he still, uh, he closes out by undercutting with some, some uh, fuckers. So yeah. Anyway, thanks, buddy. We do try to strike that balance.
1: Yeah, it's. It's something that we, as we said in the previous episode, the previous episode, that kind of trying to stay cognizant of, yeah, how we're, even though, like, especially if something is like more new to us mm-hmm. versus something that we've been listening to for decades, then it might feel more immediate because it feels new. But right, right. Um. Anyway, uh. Daniel from Kansas city.
6: So dudes, it's Daniel from KC here. Um, Danny, the third, as you might say, um, just had some thoughts about madness of the crowds. Uh, for whatever reason, I never bought this album, but it was one that like, every time I went to our Christian books, I would like put on the little headset and scan it. to like, listen to it like pretty yeah. much every time, like it, for whatever reason, it sounded so good coming through those little headphones. And I don't know why I never pulled the trigger on this album. Maybe I just like didn't, um, I wasn't as like entitled as the rest of the CD or whatever, but like right off the bat, um, you know, that opening to, to the title track is incredible. Um, that song is freaking rich. Um, but I do think like the sequencing of the album, like you guys said, is kind of, not the best necessarily like definitely the ending song should have been the numinous or whichever one it is. And then like the second and third songs both kind of start out with the, you know, quiet, like clean background electric guitar and and then kind of get bigger. I feel like you can't really use that trick twice in a row and especially not right at the beginning of the album like that. So, um, yeah i don't know um the only other couple things i have is like the oh no hojo thing (laughs) so first i mean i definitely heard that you know really early on in like eighth grade or whatever and then by the time i heard prince's um let's go crazy it was uh (laughs) oh no let's go i was like oh that sounds like that ace troubleshooter song um (laughs) obviously it's a slightly different lyric but like i feel like it's kind of the same and obviously them being from the twin cities right i mean where prince is from i feel like that makes a lot of sense um that, it, that it, they would kind of like interpolate that and put their own spin on it i don't know if that's actually what it is but it's what it sounds like to me and then uh the Hall studio thing uh i think i had a phase where i wanted a westfall studio and it was also because of john warren um never got one still don't have one but uh I don't know what it is about that. I didn't like West Paul's for the first little while that I was into playing guitar. I thought they were like dumb, like old-looking instruments. But then, for for whatever reason, that studio that he has like just kind of made me want one. So, uh, anyway, glad you guys are doing a troubleshooter. Glad you're doing this album. Night,
0: God bless. Yeah. Thanks, um, uh,
1: Prince famously. <laughs> um, inspired by the Ace Troubleshooter song. Yes. Uh,
3: <laughs> Maybe they work together in some capacity. Who knows? <laughs> A lot of bands recorded at Paisley Park. I would be so happy if um, in some like live version of Let's Go Crazy, he's like, oh, no, Hojo. Let's go crazy. That'd be so great. Anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I think what we're saying is uh, we need to get Madness of the Crowds remixed at Paisley Park. Oh, man,
3: that sounds wonderful. <laughs> Make this happen, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Where are you at? Yeah, let's let's do let's, this.
1: Let's do this. Um, I don't know. We'll see if we can. Uh, we, you and I both have big connections to uh, to Paisley Park, so we'll just. Uh, I have been there.
3: It's quite a place.
1: I've driven by it. I've never been. Yes. I've never you been should, in you there. You
3: should do a tour sometime. It's it's pretty wild.
1: I would like to. Um, yeah, it's 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 certainly uh, on my to do list yeah for last year yeah right Uh, um but yeah whenever whenever i'm not even sure i haven't even looked i haven't even like looked at things to do right you know i'm just sort of like once once i get my my next vaccine on uh i'm all vaxxed up
3: baby i know
1: you're all vaxxed up john is he's got that that fauci ouchy juice Mm.
3: just just like grabbing people's popcorn out of their Tubs yep. at the movies now and...
1: you are doing nothing you're like bobbing for apples like with, <laughs> that's right you know you're you're giving every every person you see just like a like open mouth kiss that's
3: right wet willies just,
1: just so many wet willies <laughs> gross i know i know how you were bummed out you're like oh, my <laughs> it's Willie season my my, my, st- my standard greeting <laughs> what, what am i gonna do during Willie season it's just just ruined yeah, yeah. it's ruined yep. yeah um so, uh, Daniel from KC, uh, too many Dannys has another, another thought because, uh, this is interesting. I want to hear what you think about this.
6: Hey, it's Daniel from KC again. Uh, just had another thought that I forgot to say last time, but, uh, I, you guys are talking about like the Foo Fighters influence. I feel like I hear a little bit, I mean, I definitely hear the Foo Fighters thing. Like clearly that one riff is like very much like my hero, but, um, I feel like I also hear a little, uh, this. Like, not like, character, like they ripped, ripped up, <laughs> ripped off any of their songs, but like, um, Estella, the way he sa- sings that reminds me of Stellar. Um and there's like, I think the riff and numinous maybe a little bit reminds me of, of that. Could be a different song. I get the track name is mixed up. Um and there is, I don't know, maybe it's just kind of like his voice. Oh, and it's just the really washy, fuzzy guitars that they do sometimes on this album. Um, uh, I feel like there's a lot of Mike Einzinger's guitar playing that, uh, like when he goes really heavy, he goes really heavy like that. Um, I don't know a ton of Incubus, but I'm thinking like the, um, the, uh, what's that song? Uh, Wish You Were Here, like some of those kind of guitar parts, uh, um, like the big distorted ones. Kind of reminds me of the sound of this album. So I don't know if you guys hear that, um, but just want to throw that out there. Anyway, see you later.
1: What do you think about what do you think about Incubus? Um, I was never a big uh,
3: big cube head. <laughs> I don't know what are, what are the Incubus fans called? Uh, Cubos. Um, I was never an incubator, but um, I do think that I can hear that sound you, for sure. You
1: weren't a big you weren't a big <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm not going (laughs) to, not going to go there. Just, yeah. You weren't a big Incubus head, but no, I was Um, not either. They, uh, there was like maybe one Incubus song that I think I liked, but that sounds right. Yeah. But I don't
3: think he's wrong. I mean, I I feel like what we were saying with that record and with it's never enough, I would say is like the influence more of that sort of um, late nineties, early 2000s, sort of hard rock, sound yeah. um yeah which was present among a lot of bands that got alt rock radio play at the time certainly incubus included so yeah i don't think that's far off they they weren't like the first to call to mind because i don't know them super well either apart from kind of the hits but yeah that makes sense to me
1: yeah the uh incubus sound was they i don't know i feel like i kind of lump incubus into kind of a similar category with a band like, the Hoobastank. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Hoobas- <laughs> no, Hoobastank is awful in most of all the conceivable ways from the band name down to their song. Um, but I was going to say uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, where it's like, there sort of can be like a straight ahead alternative rock or yeah. hard rock. And then sometimes it has like... You know some maybe metal or new metal influences and then like there's like a funk element to it and i'm just like i don't know guys pick a lane i don't yeah. know it, it they're just it just was not was not my thing
3: we will return to the topic of the chili peppers uh when we talk about this week's album
1: um it's interesting because there is a uh i i wasn't there's one particular song that uh does not. I'm not sure what song you're thinking of, but there's one particular song that's that,
3: I'm guessing um, it's the same one, but Yeah.
1: Then we're going to have a disagreement over the particular influence. Mm. But I'm very curious over your top 3. Yeah. Yep. Um Another
3: Danny. Danny?
2: <laughs> hey guys, this is Danny. I feel like I haven't left a voicemail in forever. JK. Uh, I was just calling because When Andrew said he tried to learn Hangnail songs while learning guitar, I was just curious uh, if any of those songs were from the Transparent album or if that was later than you were learning guitar because Hangnail during the Christmas EP promotion was on the Punko's pod. Sorry, not Punko's pod, was on the Growing Up pod Oh, my God. They were on the Growing Up Punk podcast. <laughs> There's so many podcasts I'm friends with now. And they all have syllabically similar names. The Growing Up Punk podcast interviewed Hangnail around Christmas, and they talked about how the Transparent album was being recorded when they knew they were breaking up, like they were going to record the album and break up. So they purposely did crazy shit on that album that they knew they would never otherwise be able to pull off live because they were like, well, this is our last album. Let's do everything we ever wanted to do in an album.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So I was just curious if Andrew was trying to learn any of those songs off of transparent. Well then th- that album was literally made not to be learned. And the last <laughs> thing is uh screaming giant records. Like I think in about 2017, give or take a year, I randomly saw the screaming giant records again i do every couple of years and i was thinking oh, i'll google them i'll probably go to their Discog page for that and like what is this and like the screaming giant records website was live again and they're like hey we're coming back and i'm like oh my god like this is so random and they were like go to our bandcamp page we've put up all the screaming giant records catalog on bandcamp Ooh. for free at the time cool. And they're like, get it now, because then eventually it'll all be a dollar. And it is. You can go to the Screaming Giant Records Bandcamp today and get any one of their legacy albums for a dollar. Oh, wow. Um, and now I just went to double check. I'm like, a couple years ago, they said we're coming back. And I think they released, like, a EP by a newer band I'd never heard of when I saw this happening a couple years ago. I just went to their bandcamp, and they're just like, Screaming Giant Records was a record label. 1997 to 2001, Rip. So... I guess they canceled their plans to actually like officially come back as an active record yeah. label, which stinks. Um Bummer. but there's that. So Nagpots for life.
1: Um, thanks, Danny. Uh, so no, it was not that transparent record. It was their first record, their debut uh, self-titled record that came out in '99. Uh, I was trying to learn the song "Friendly Advice." this song here. Um, so there you go. You needed to set the bar lower, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also double standard, which was uh, a little bit more doable. This I actually accomplished. A little bit. Not as, not as good. I don't want to hype myself up. Oh shit. Oh shit, bro. (laughs) Yeah, they fucking rule. God we, will, um, we, will, now, we, we, we will we will get to hang season. we will get to hang nail um but yeah there's a there's a little part that comes up here in a little bit let's see I tried and tried to understand what man fucking rules. rules fucking rules um so screaming giant john yes. did, are you did you check it out? Are they is that is I, I didn't understand if he was saying that they don't no, have those he, albums up anymore, or if you can still get the albums, or they just
3: I believe he was saying that the albums are still available, but they scrapped plans to sort of gotcha. relaunch with new music. Um, but it makes sense that they did relaunch in some capacity because as we learned when we posted about G-Rock, uh, which Patreon punk Caleb called in about right uh recently. Uh G Rock is back, baby. They're they're <laughs> they're doing new stuff. Um, and one of the things that, uh, Danny Leary, uh, asked about was whether anybody had MXPX's episode when they hosted G-Rock. So putting, putting that out to Magpod Nation. Yeah. He could not find it online. I, I don't think I was where it even happened, but if anybody has that, let us know. But, uh, yeah, man, hit up that G-Rock it's available.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at these, some of these, uh, um, Screaming Giant bands, the mm-hmm. uh, Tasty Snacks, of course. Uh, Run Joseph Run record. Oh man, yeah. Uh, we got some um, Rod Laver. We got Hell, some yeah. Officer Negative. Yeah, Sidewalk um, Slam. Perhaps a lot. A lot of these bands I am not familiar with.
3: Yeah, um, I need to do an All Screaming Giant season
1: at some point. You know, some a band that. Um, our uh, producer, shadow producer Jason from an original vinyls, uh, was telling me about that he loved um, was this band called Two Timer. Hmm. Um, Sounds vaguely familiar. Two Timer is a uh, was at least there's one of their records or one of their demos or something was on. Oh no no this here it is. Uh, see what happens from here. I think is the record that jason was uh prof like just profusely trying to explain to me how like how great this record is that how much he loves it so um Mm. but it's also like uh how much more niche could we possibly get (laughs) than like like a a defunct record (laughs) label with a band that maybe like four people remember fair enough um but and and an album and a band that like I I have only heard of through Jason. So. Yeah.
3: Well, he
1: knows good stuff. Yes, he knows the deal. Um any more Danny's? <laughs> no more Danny's, but we got right. a Dustin. All right.
7: Hey dudes, it's Dustin from St. Louis. So sorry that I screwed up the been a while uh <laughs> intro <laughs> last week, but yeah, you guys covered for me nicely and I do appreciate it. Um as far as songs that we learned to play, so I, I was not one of the cool kids that picked up the guitar. I was one of the dweebs that picked up the bass. And yeah. uh, the first songs that I had to learn were Angel by Slick Shoes, yes. Hell uh, yeah. Flowery Song by Five Iron. But the yes. two that are like yes. steered into my brain are um, uh, Chick Magnet, obviously. Yeah, there you go. There and, we go. Of course. And Riot Gear by Five Iron. I used to. You know, a warm up on the stand up bass ding, and jazz band ding, every day ding, in those ding, with those ding, two ding, tunes. Um, they were just—I I still even goof around with them when I'm just trying to pick it up every now and again. They're just—they're just in my brain. Um, and you guys were also talking about Ace Troubleshooter and the um, the the interesting fact that they never had like any sort of crossover. Mm-hmm. And it immediately reminded me of um, when I was younger. My parents used to always take us to family movies. Um, My little sister was five years younger than me, so when I was in high school, uh, Agent Cody Banks came out at Blockbuster (laughs) Cinema Classic. So um, I remember in the beginning of the movie, and I just went back and tried to uh, rewatch it just to make sure, and sure enough, it's there. At the beginning of the movie, there is the self-titled album cover poster just above uh, his bed. And so I remember being in high school and seeing that and thinking – Oh shoot! This could actually be a decent movie, and well, not really. But you know, <laughs> anyways, I thought that was kind of interesting because I thought nobody knew the band, and then there's there's their poster in this big movie. So, anyways, uh, thanks, that for life. Thanks, buddy. I don't
1: know. Maybe Frankie Muniz was like a big a big ace head. I don't know. Could be that. That is that. That is very surprising to me. I but, feel that, like I. Th- that's so. There's a whole, there's a whole, like, uh, I think it's an Instagram account where, like, people will call out punk stuff that's in right, TV right. and movies and, like, just random posters and stuff in the background of stuff. But that, because that's, you know, that's, like, one random production <laughs> person that, the, that somebody in, in, like, who's doing, like, set design. They're like, oh, we need a poster. Just go, like, you know, whatever, just get a poster. And some, some person's like, well, I got this at home. Just, I want to put this up on the wall.
3: Yeah. Somebody could have been very passionate, uh, about ACE southbound Cody banks forever. Southeast Cody banks forever, whatever. (laughs) I don't know. Um, I feel like I remember that somehow that's like in my brain somehow that that existed, but I certainly forgot about it. Maybe it was in like, you know, the old school, old school tooth and nail group on Facebook. Somebody posted an image of it or something like that, but yeah uh get get frankie muniz on the pod let's get this all sorted out
1: yes um we will i'll reach out to him you know what's wild to me like i don't know about you like growing up thinking like watching watching tv or movies and you're like uh like i always assumed that frankie muniz was like a lot younger than Mm. than he's like our age isn't he he's 35
0: yeah (laughs) he's
1: he's he's, yeah he's gonna be he'll be 36 later this year so it's uh he just looked really young I think he probably just—he still looks—he still looks like a, a young right. dude, but like, um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll get we'll get him on <laughs> get him on the pod, uh, yeah. and I am curious if if this is something, I am curious about this with bands, like if this kind of thing is ever run by bands or if bands are just as surprised by this kind right, of thing right. as yeah. like people be like put the fucking ace troubleshooter in like this. Frankie Muniz vehicle you know this mm. is this is I'm sort guessing of... uh
3: Brandon Ebel was pocketing that money and not sharing it with us, but um, I could be wrong about that
1: I mean <laughs> uh somebody somebody proved John wrong and they will not
0: uh don't one sue last... me <laughs> <laughs>
1: well if they haven't sued us yet yeah, right. that's true <laughs> uh one last voicemail we got our boy Jason from – it. Uh, we got our p- Jason from L.A.
8: What's up, guys? It's Jason uh, out here in L.A. Uh, just calling. You guys talked about that Blockbuster video, the last Blockbuster uh, thing on Netflix. Yes. Uh, yeah, I used to work at Hollywood Video. Uh, yeah. So that was a fun job because I got free movie rentals. I was only there for a month because I had an asshole manager who <laughs> – my grandma passed away while I was working there. Uh, when I told him that she had passed away, he told me I needed to come in to work the next day. They when I requested the funeral off. He said, "I got a business to run, and you need to come in." So that was the only job I've ever had. That didn't give a two week notice. I said, "Screw you," and just quit. Uh, but uh, just to let you guys know, I'm not a fan of Ace Troubleshooter. I tried listening to them before this this new uh, part of your MagPod, and I still couldn't. Kind of, get into it. I'm sorry. So I do still listen to the beginning of the podcast, uh, your show, your... God, what the hell am I saying? Uh, all your Google games and stuff to talk about. I love listening to that. So I'm still listening. I just don't listen to the music part because, sorry, I'm not a fan of Ace Troubleshooter. But uh, looking forward to what you're doing next. So Magpots alive. life. Take care. Fair enough.
1: Fair, you know, fair enough. You know, there are people who probably you know we know that like why do the grandma- opposite <laughs> do the opposite like just get to the music they don't yeah. want to hear our bullshit no uh that's uh <sighs> i mean I, I we don't know what year what year this was but yeah i mean someone's grandma dying come on guy like yeah this so is much- hollywood video okay <laughs> this is the big time <laughs> this is It's like, you think you're going to make it out there? You think someone's going to care if your grandma dies? Like, yeah,
3: we got videos to rent. We got we got Cody
1: Banks. You think Cody Banks is going to move himself over here? You think Frankie Muniz took the day off for his grandma? I don't think so. You think Angie Harmon cares? She's she's going to walk on this set and be like, I need the day off. No, she's a big star. (laughs) Was she in Cody Banks? I think so. Yeah. Uh,
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, I forgot. Yeah, The Mob Runs Hollywood Video, too. I forgot about that. Big Floss, Hollywood Video. Yep. Probably Mars
1: Candy. Definitely.
3: Um, um,
1: yeah. Uh, so, John, we do need to... I, I don't know if you've watched the last blockbuster yet.
3: I haven't yet, but I'm very invested in the la- last blockbuster business <laughs> in Oregon. Yes. I've been following um, them for a long time.
1: Yeah, I, I do think we should yeah it might be cool to uh get taylor morton on the pod Mm. um he he seems like a a really interesting guy you know he did the pick it up uh, right right right. scott documentary so yeah he do have like having somebody somebody who does a um uh documentaries about sort of like yes fading or obscure kind of things i don't know i think that's he's yeah and has a niche going
3: we uh we had planned to do more around uh, pick it up uh, covered on this pod. So perhaps coming in through the last blockbuster. It's kind of a tongue twister. Um, if you're me, um, might be a, a good way to, to get the conversation with Taylor going again and talk about other projects he's done as well.
4: Yeah.
1: Um. So should we move on to? Uh, you know, we have we have uh, an email that we wanted to read mm-hmm. um in a previous uh episode we had talked about having uh our female listeners uh reach out to us and kind of share some of their experiences mm-hmm. with uh misogyny whether in the scene or just in general and kind of getting an getting their take on um not just having us talk about it but like actually hearing from women about their experiences Mm -hmm. um and we got an email from uh candace who is a patreon punk and uh and she said uh you asked for more feedback from women the women listening so here's my life story in misogyny Slight background, I'm a civil engineer in Houston, specializing in drainage, so I make the rain go somewhere that isn't your house. <laughs> Been Excellent. doing that for, for 13 years, eight at my current job. I believe Andrew and I are the same age. I just turned 37 in March. Uh, I was told in first grade by a teacher that girls are bad at math. Hmm. I then proceeded to win the grade-wide math competitions two, year, two years in a <laughs> row, and no. uh, Spite worked in my favor, I guess. <laughs> Math and science make sense to me. That's how my brain works, so I pursued them. In 11th grade, my physics teacher told me I should be an engineer, and I went for it. I can't tell you how often I was told to smile by the men at church on top of all the other typical purity culture stuff. Mm. Freshman year, intro to engineering, a teammate, so guy my age-ish, told me he, he was giving me less group work because I was a girl, only only girl on the team. Out of college, my first boss would jokingly Quote unquote, jokingly ask me if I was pregnant every time I went home not feeling well. I was constantly being treated as an administrative assistant by another of the older guys in the department. He would dictate emails to me on projects I barely worked on, like he was incapable of typing himself, I guess. At my current job, there are men that are not part of my group that have told me I need to be at home making dinner for my husband when he was studying for a big test we have to take uh, as engineers. I had done in a a few years previous. There are a lot of departments at all the places I've worked that I would not recommend women work in because they won't be listened to. It's generally from older men, but not always. Some shit went down at work last week that basically boiled down to me telling someone I didn't have time for something and then them throwing a fit until one of the higher-ups told me to do it. This has happened a bunch of times, and frankly, I'm done with that. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a meeting of the 10 plus people and been the only woman i frequently get mansplaining going on uh i've um, been doing my job for 13 years maybe i know more than people who don't do what i do i will give my input they will be quiet mostly i now just play chicken with them and don't stop talking um when they try to pop uh talk on top of me and then proceed as if i said nothing so that's a great feeling Um, sorry for being ranting, ranty and rambling. This is why I wrote it out. I have a lot of feelings about entitled old men right now. Hmm. Um,
3: you're not, you're not ranting and rambling, Candace. I appreciate you sharing this.
1: Yeah, that, that all to me, uh, I mean, the mansplaining stuff is infuriating on its own, but like people who like have less experience and, don't uh want who don't like hear her input and will just like railroad and just like steamroll like everything Mm -hmm. she's saying or but like the administrative assistant stuff where it's just like you know you know go get us a cup of coffee sweetheart or to take this note for me it's like that's not her job um don't treat her like she's your assistant just because she's the only woman in the room that, that, that kind of stuff would be absolutely infuriating, especially if it's like, you know, this is not, not my role. I've been doing this for, uh, you know, 13 years. Um, so I don't know how, I don't know how women keep it together, to be honest with with this kind of stuff.
3: Yeah. I would guess that if you talked to any woman, she'd have some version of some of the story. Um, and, you know, one thing that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about sort of misogyny and toxic masculinity, both like in the scene, as we were talking about um, the the music we were talking about, but also just in general, like, so what do we do as men? It's not enough to be like, boy, sorry, that happened. That sucks. Like,
0: yeah,
3: I've, I've been trying to think about the ways that we as men can in the circles that we're in call out shit like this when we see it and obviously we're all at home right now it's a little different doing that over zoom or whatever but like that is something that you know i'd like to think i had in my head sometimes in the past in meetings but it's going to be much more at the forefront of my mind should things go back to normal and i'm in big meetings and i see stuff like this happening i really will take it as a challenge to my sort of privilege to use that and 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 call some of this out so yeah that's gonna be my goal
1: And I've definitely been far more aware of uh, my tone of like whether or not what I'm saying comes off as mansplaining right? uh, because as somebody who gets like really passionate about something and loves talking about the things I care about, like I don't want it to come across as like I'm mansplaining more so as like I'm just sharing my perspective on something. Yeah. Yeah, um, so, totally. you we, know, so like being kind of a, aware of that sort of yes. stuff, but you're right. Uh, calling out, calling out, you know, because I'm sure depending on the, the dynamics and the company and, and that sort of stuff, like, uh, being the only woman in a room yeah, has its own potential problems. Um, yeah. If you don't feel like you have an ally in the room, right, right, um, being someone who speaks up and makes it clear to uh, the only woman in the room that you are an ally and you, you that you're also seeing this, yeah, um, I'm sure it would probably be helpful. Um, yeah. But this could be another another example or another place for us to ask. Um, women, like what, like what would be helpful, you right. know, not, not that we need to put out the burden of right, right, right. women telling us how to be better allies, but like, um, and maybe it's a situation by situation kind of sure. thing, but um, I'm, I'm assuming speaking up would be a good place yeah. to start.
3: Yes. We, as men are in all kinds of uh, pockets and circles where we're given opportunities to, confront this instead of just give it a pass or not even think about it, but actually engage with it. So I hope that we will all do more of that. Um, And I appreciate you sending this in, Uh, Candice. You know, we welcome more uh, thoughts from women in particular around some of the stuff we've been talking about, about how, you know, misogyny and toxic masculinity has been prominent in the punk scene and the Christian scene and Christian punk scene, all that stuff. So unpacking some of that and, and welcome your thoughts as we continue to do that yeah um having said all that uh there's a woman that i would like to hear from who is my spouse and she is smart so perhaps we should move on to the next segment which is uh talking with jenny booth potter let's do it all right well joining us now on the pod is jenny booth potter uh my wife and also uh, a True um, expert for me in terms of um, having somebody uh, very nearby who is a valuable resource on how to engage with sort of racial justice issues, systemic racism. Um, and she's been doing this work uh, for a long time, and uh, it's been helpful to uh, share a house during this uh, wild year. Um, with you in a lot of ways, but in particular, unpacking a lot of the heaviness around white supremacy and over-policing and gun violence, um, particularly of the past few weeks. So we wanted to get you on the pod and talk a little bit about that. Um, But just to give some context for folks, I mean, we're recording this a couple of days after the Derek Chauvin trial verdict. Um, I was actually getting my second vaccine as they were about to announce the verdict. And the first time I got my vaccine, I was like so grateful. And the second time it was just like, I felt this heaviness and the weight of anxiety around awaiting, you know, knowing the whole world was waiting for this verdict. And and I think in particular, as someone who grew up in the Twin Cities, it it had this added sort of um, weight as well. So I heard the verdicts read uh, on NPR as I was driving home and was just like overcome with emotion, um, only to learn minutes later that, uh, police in Ohio had killed another black teenager this, you know, two weeks after Chicago police had killed a black teenager and
9: he wasn't black.
3: Well, a a a teenager of color. Um, and so just trying to unpack this like nonstop, um, processing of gun violence and deaths and deaths at the hand of police and systemic racism and and all that the sort of George Floyd murder last year has wrought in terms of the response, um, has been a really, a really heavy thing to know kind of how to engage. And so we kind of wanted you on to help us process some of that. So Mm. do you want to give folks a little bit of background on some of the work you're engaged in and how it's, um, how your work has been uh, aligning with some of these events.
9: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I hear that I'm the reigning champion of guests. So I would just like to start with that.
3: She has beat out. (laughs) Humble brag. Reese Roper and Scott Kerr (laughs) and is in the four timers club.
9: (laughs) Oh, I'm very nervous that I'm going to peak. And then I'm never going to be invited back after this episode. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I grew up very sheltered from conversations about race, racial justice, and I mean, honestly, any form of justice. Um, And it wasn't until college, uh, probably everyone knows that you two went to the same college, but I was there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And my junior year, I went on a, like racial justice kind of pilgrimage um, where we did basically like a deep dive into, uh, you know, the transatlantic slave trade and, you know, just everything from the start of our, our country, the start of slavery, um, to where we are today. And so that trip really, uh, more so than it just causing me to examine all that I didn't know and all that I had been taught that was incorrect. I think it also, um, it was a really an emotional trip for me um, of hearing like firsthand from the Black, she wasn't a teenager, we were what, 20, Black 20-year-old, to hearing about her growing up in a similar predominantly white suburb but just how many of our childhood memories and experiences vary just literally over um her being black and me being white and
3: because we should say I think we talked about this on the pod before maybe but on this Sankofa trip white and black students are paired mm-hmm. together and you sort of go through this trip processing together
9: yeah so my partner was yeah was a black you know, young woman, um, and really like watching the history be told and watching her process it, it just, I think that kind of changed me maybe more so than anything. And so I had kind of this, like, I mean, evangelicals, we love, (laughs) we love kind of a, like, uh, you know, a moment of like, oh, I was this, yeah. The conversion moment. Like I was I was blind, but now I can see, but I really, I really did have a moment like that on that trip where, yeah, it just felt so clearly like I had been living blind my whole life and I could finally see this country, my life, my role, just so much more clearly. Um, It was also on that trip that I met um, a woman by the name of Austin Channing Brown. Um, And she and I became friends. And then many years later, Um, our paths intersected when we were working at a church and we developed anti-racism trainings together for the staff and the congregation. And, um, it's so interesting, like, you know, we covered things at the time, like stereotypes and why colorblindness is not Mm -hmm. actually any, on any sort of path towards actual anti-racism or healing or anything. Um, and this was still in the kind of, you know, you don't say anything about race, um, time that we were still in. And it was just, I mean, it was just before Trayvon Martin was killed. Like, I I feel like that was kind of a turning point for a lot of people, um, uh, his murder where it was like, oh, now, now the church is talking about it slightly more. Um, now we're kind of seeing this growing, you know this rise of people have cameras in their Mm -hmm. pockets at all times and so we're seeing you know kind of just murder after murder caught on film and so it's not even he said he said or he said she said it's you know literally like indisputable proof um and so i just feel like the that obviously ramped up um a lot of the conversation and a lot of urgency for a lot of people. but after we finished this anti-racism training, um, after pretty much we almost like lost our jobs. Austin kind of did lose her job over <laughs> how much we were trying to push. Um, we she wrote a book, and I she and I uh, got to co-host um, a video web series called "The Next Question," where we really are we we were trying to push the conversation beyond just why can't white people say the n word um right. i don't see color or uh is blackface like really that big of a deal like let's you know yeah so we had incredible guests on that show we filmed that um in 2019 and just feel really grateful for the timing of that i mean i learned a ton by being a part of that process and that team um, here you know reading books about prison abolition and police abolition feeling like i mean it just it felt so radical and then you fast forward a year and abolish the police is almost like a household you know yeah if not uh you know be lo- a beloved expression in every household in america it's at least a known expression right um and so it's just been a really interesting It's just been a really interesting I know for everyone it's been an interesting year but I think it felt like oh my gosh all of a sudden all these everything that I care about everyone's talking about um and it was both a really um it just felt like a really important time and I think it felt important because I knew and I think a lot of other activists knew that the window was not going to stay open forever Um, and that, uh, yeah, kind of this like openness to the conversation was not going to stay open for much longer without, (laughs) I mean, racism is creative. And so, you know, anything Mm -hmm. that would be brought up, um, for a while, it was like, oh my gosh, this is indisputable, but you know, racist be racist. And so they, they come up with stereotypes and, with, you know, all these other things to, um, to try to keep the status quo maintained. So yeah, I mean, and then I, what else? I mean, I can go into the events of the last couple of weeks or what's. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I personally was not watching any of the Derek Chauvin trial. I would hear kind of snippets recaps um important stuff but uh i don't know i mean i think it was it just got me so angry i just it just it didn't feel yeah. like um and not angry that would like be useful but anger though just kind of shut me down um or distract me so but i did watch um I watched local Minnesota news. I haven't watched local news in maybe like a decade, <laughs> but I watched the local news on my phone. And for a couple minutes, um, I had Elliot, our oldest son on my, on my lap as I was watching kind of people gather in George Floyd square. And, um, and we kind of, I kind of talked to him about, Hey, you know, you remember how last summer we went and we, protested and said that george floyd's life matters and um like you know we're about he doesn't know about the trial but i wanted i wanted him to know that this was that wasn't a a one-and-done thing related to george floyd because that was his first protest that he i think remembers um that was
3: his first like understanding that police could do things that they would they might get Arrested for, or go to trial for,
9: right? That they,
3: this whole good guy, bad guy thing is so programmed. Right. Yeah, yeah.
9: Um. So yeah, I mean, I watched the tr- I watched the verdict come in, like in our bedroom, and I had like a very, I don't know. I'm curious how you. I mean, I had a very strange, or just like I had like kind of a no response. I think I, I found myself able to breathe like I think i had been holding my breath kind of yeah. until I heard all three counts of guilty but um <laughs> like rightfully so we cannot be pinning our hopes on one police officer's yeah. sentencing like yeah. I mean it would it would have been the kind of thing that if they had found him not guilty it is like what possibly could it take to find an officer guilty right um like you have perfect evidence you have perfect perfect witnesses like just um, i mean
1: this is something that 20 years ago he totally would have gotten away with it
9: they tried to have him get away with it this time i mean i don't know if you saw the police report it was basically like uh, we arrested a man. We caught, you know, he was having, he was on drugs. We called the ambulance. He was transported to a nearby hospital and died there. No, uh no weapons were used. That was the official police report that they filed. So they were, I mean, yeah.
1: So outrageous. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, my point was largely, again, kind of piggybacking off what you're saying about people having mm-hmm. recording devices on their person that this never would have gone to trial to begin with because there wouldn't have been recordings of the entire incident. Right. I mean, this, this is, you know, and now we have, you know, t- during this trial, we have Dante Wright. Who yeah. was killed. And uh, as the day of the day that we're recording this, his funeral was today. 20 year old shot by a what, 26 year veteran who couldn't mm-hmm. tell the difference between a taser and a gun. Mm-hmm. Right.
9: That um, literally yelled, taser, taser, taser mm-hmm. as she's grabbing her, right. her gun. Yeah. And
1: then, of course, um, the teenager in Ohio um, who I've seen, you know, it's just it's just it's yeah, the people are just so predictable in their smearing of of uh, black people mm-hmm. um, after they after they're killed. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just so predictable that they try and find ways to discredit or. Dehumanize or justify their mm-hmm. their murder, as if um, uh, George Floyd having drugs in his system, or Trayvon Martin wearing a hoodie, or Tamir Rice playing with a toy gun, like as if any any of these things are actual justifications for mm-hmm. murder, or killing, or taking the life of somebody. Um, because they're not, but uh, it has been. It's just become clear that a pol- a police officer fearing for their life is more important than uh, de-escalation or the life of uh just your your average citizen mm-hmm.
9: of anyone that's not white. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely, um, yeah, there's a lot of conversation and not just, com- but a lot of times in like anti-racism work, the conversation of who is being centered comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think like to your point, it's so predictable, but yeah. the the star of the world is white men. Like that's just they are the they are the main character in every story. Like, and I and I I'm I don't mean that. I mean that. Like they they are they get to be the main character in every single story. So when every single one of those instances, we're centering probably the white male. I mean, in the case of Dante Wright, it was right. a white woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're but it's who are we centering? because we're centering them and then we're going to protect who we're centering. Cause they're right. the protagonist. If they're the main character, they're the protagonist and they're, they're the good guy. You know, we get into these very quick, um, non-nuanced binary, um, right. binary conversations. And so that, that's the story that we're playing over and over again. It's who's the main character. We have to protect them. So anyone that was doing something to them is obviously the antagonist. Right. And we immediately, even though they're dead, even though they literally cannot speak and can't defend themselves because you, the protagonist, in quotes, took their life, um, they suddenly become the one on trial because they're not the main character. They're a secondary character. They don't matter as much. Um, and we do whatever we have to do to keep the main character protected. And that just, that keeps happening over and over again. And obviously what we're talking about is more extreme, but I think that happens over and over again in spaces where, um, yeah, where we used to joke, like, you know, we would have these, um, like diversity, anti-racism Uh, Racial reconciliation trainings and conversations. And almost always we did this exercise called the privilege walk, where you ask a series of questions and you either take a step forward or you take a step backward. And it's things like Did you grow up in your home with um, more than 50 books in your home? Did your parents attend college? You take a step forward. Um, Have you ever been told that you are a credit to your race? you take a step backward, like these types of things. The end of the exercise, it is, you know, white men usually like at the front of the room, and then black women at the back. (laughs) And somehow the white women are crying. (laughs) And it's like, I'm sorry, your feeling of, you know, you know, this like, realization that you have privilege, and that, um, that that's systemic and that maybe your grandfather didn't just pull himself up by his boot, his bootstraps, right. but maybe there were lots of other things at play that kept you at the front and every person of color behind you. But all of a sudden now we're comforting you because right. you're crying over this. Whereas can we do something to actually, uh, equalize like what we're, you know, what we're seeing? Um, and so that's obviously like not life and death but it's it's a it's a behavior that we tolerate when we're constantly you know yeah when we're saying who is the most important person here because that's ultimately what racism is doing over and over again and what white supremacy is doing over and over again it's saying who's most important and we're doing all these things to perpetuate that lie
1: right i mean it's a, you know, in, in a very re- more recent and public uh, um, example of this was the whole Sharon Osborne thing um, on whatever that. The View. It wasn't The View. What, what was some other show? What is her show called? The Talk so that that sort of thing where it's like she's the one who gets all emotional about it and like Mm -hmm. makes makes the whole situation about her um yeah so I guess one question I have is and I think this is something that um Austin posted recently on Facebook um and I think this is something that I see a lot that white people get really frustrated by, um, because they're used. <laughs> a lot of priv- privileged people are used to having things handed to them. Um, as white people want the answers given given to them on like what to do, like tell uh, tell me what to do, and so like the the sort of the emotional burden required from people of color to explain to white people what to do and how to not be pieces of shit. And, and especially black women ne- needing to bear the emotional uh, uh, burden of, of these crying white women and men who are just like, just like, I'm just asking the question, you know, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. What, you know, it's like, I'm just trying to get to, and it's like, no, we don't need, you know we have the resources out there like literally you can go to the internet right it's on yeah. the internet it Sharon exists.
3: Osborne was like teach me teach me i don't know teach me and it's like yeah. well google it you can google this
1: yeah yeah it's it's and i feel like that sort of that white people think that they they get like race points or something like like that you're like i'm I'm asking, like, I'm, I'm showing my honest, uh, you know, I'm trying to be sincere in my, it's like, well, that's the thing is like, do you don't get points? This isn't like a point system. <laughs> you're not like, you're not like, this isn't, this isn't one of those things that like, do you think, you know, black people and people of color uh, get to have any, anything like that? They, they, they don't like just doing something good doesn't afford you uh shouldn't afford you benefits it's well, it something just... that you
9: that on your terms is good it's <laughs> right. not objectively good but yes
1: yeah well i'm just like yeah so right right you, i think we're i got yeah i got what you're, yeah, yeah, got yeah. what you're
9: like, throwing down
1: i'm trying i'm trying to this isn't i'm not ex- maybe explaining myself very well but... do you
9: remember what she what her, what the post was that Austin oh did? it
1: was basically like um that Black women don't owe you a response. They don't owe you mm. uh, answers to your questions. And like, just because uh, you are um, upset because of her lived experience, that doesn't mean that people get to tell her how to function on her mm-hmm. on her social media. And um, and so it's like people messaging, DMing her lists of questions and whatever. It's like, she doesn't owe you that.
9: So she literally wrote a book.
1: (laughs) Go read it. Like, Yeah, that, that, that exists. So, so, um, so what are some resources? Some like, you know, we can talk about uh, Austin's book. Um, I'm still here. Is that Mm -hmm. what it's called? Yeah.
9: I'm still here. Black dignity in a world made for whiteness. Yes, New uh, York Times bestseller and <laughs> Reese's uh, June July book club pick of last year. Oh
1: shit! Well, we should we we should be.
3: What did we, I call we, her? You just said Reese. I'm just saying not oh. Reese Roper.
1: Well,
9: Reese oh my gosh. Okay.
1: <laughs> you we have different remem- audiences. <laughs> remember who our audience is, Reese Witherspoon. Reese
9: Roper has a really great book club. <laughs> hey, he probably would. <laughs> he should start one.
1: Um. Yeah. So. Okay. Other than. Uh, austin's book who what are some other resources anti-racist resources that people should scope out
9: can i go back to something before i answer that question absolutely not because i could nope <laughs> of course <laughs> yes what'd you say honey? this is over i'm it's out of here i i, I yeah. peaked at four and i'm done yeah. Yeah. um no i want to say this that... has been
1: jenny booth potter we are <laughs> <laughs>
3: so sorry we're
1: out of time
9: I just want to say as someone who- First time ever,
1: we are out of time. We've got to to move
2: on.
9: No, I just, I think there is this assumption that a post like that from Austin or from any black woman or black anti-racism or person of color, anti-racism educator is like an overnight- you know, like oh, just like hyper reactive to the moment, mm-hmm. and it's it's been so interesting watching um, watching. I mean, Austin is my closest partner in anti racism work that I have. Just in terms of as I look back, yeah. So, I mean, she yeah. Since like I kind of started, it was kind of the start for her as well, um, and. It took so long for her to get to a place to have that kind of healthy boundary mm. because for a really long time, she'd be like, okay, yes, okay, um, ask me your question. And, and this yeah. is not me in impre- <laughs> to impersonate her because I would do a better laugh because she has an awesome laugh. But um, she was willing. Yeah. She would say, you want a list of the 10 things you should do? I will write you that list honey, I will hold your hand as you try, you know, let's go yeah. to the bookstore together Yeah, and we'll, yeah, yeah. I, I will, you don't have like, you don't have the money for that. But like I will, you know, there was yeah. such, such hope that all it was gonna be was her providing the answers to white people that had sure. questions, that that sure. was gonna be the thing that turns the tide. And so she did it once, she did it twice, she did it a hundred times and guess what? <laughs> people didn't do the things that she told them to do they said oh well actually um oh I didn't know that I was going to have to do it like that or oh I'm just still so afraid I'm going to make a mistake or you know it was like excuse after excuse or argument and turning things into a debate where she's like why are you debating my life like this isn't this isn't like fun you know like debate club you're literally debating my experiences that are lived and are inarguable and inquestionable. Uh-huh. And so that, that took, that took a lot of, um, yeah, like direct experience from her to get to a point where she's like, I know you don't want a list. If you, because a list, you check that off and you move on. And this is the type of work that you take one step. It's a journey. It's a, you know, it's a forever type of a thing. Um, it's not I don't want to be so cheesy. And I feel like this is trademarked, but like, it's not a moment, it's a movement, you know, like it's, yeah. but it, but it is, it's an ongoing thing. And that one step and that one whatever is going to lead you to the next thing. And she doesn't We're Yeah. So I was going to say like, she doesn't know where you work. She doesn't know if you have kids. She doesn't, you know, so much of this is so in the particulars of yeah what, where you orbit. And, um, yeah. So I think that's, I think that's the really frustrating thing is there's so, there are so many resources out there and white people are like, "Mm, I don't want to read the things that you've actually worked your ass off to put in a New York times bestselling book that other people, like I want the i want the lowest point of entry so just Mm -hmm. like you know i want to cheat the system i want to cheat the process is basically what amount of
1: work i can do right right credit for it
9: right and wow you with my earnest you know my good heart that's seeking out to like be an ally
4: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah it's
9: bullshit (laughs) it's bullshit
1: (laughs) It is bullshit.
9: So before I give like a list of resources, mm-hmm. I would like to ask a question, which is it should not take me giving you a list of resources. It should not take watching someone be murdered on a film for you to recognize that there is a problem in this country.
1: For sure. Because I'm not saying I'm to going do, to give
9: you a list, but all I just, you
1: need to do is just go to any comment section anywhere. And just see all the number of people be like, "Well, if they didn't want to get shot in the face, then they shouldn't have done X, Y, and Z." Oh yeah, so-
9: I had to block and delete some douche today who said, "Oh, she wouldn't be so cute if she was, you know, she's so cute when she's not holding that eight-inch knife, right?" I was like, "Get out of here!" Like, mm-hmm.
0: yeah,
1: how- or the um, or the douchebag who said that um at, at some point if you weigh x amount of weight then you're no longer a child not sure if you saw that if you're like essentially fat and weigh a certain amount uh you're not a child anymore so it's like um i don't think why well,
9: i'm sorry why are you trying to find excuses for killing children like what does that say about
1: this is what you're going back to what you were saying about racists are creative they will find any sort of abysmal uh amoral position there's no position they aren't willing to take or no no depths that they're not willing to go to to justify this sort of thing it's just it's like outrageous well, it's like right. oh she's she's she weighs as much there's for she might look like an adult so you're not you're not a kid anymore so you know
9: because kids we don't murder but as soon as you're 18 mm-hmm. we can execute you by the state like that's just that sounds like a really great like god bless america you know i just i feel real proud right now is it the fourth of july yet like i just want it, to celebrate
1: it's pro-life right over here that's what that's yeah what it I, is. I can't
9: even yeah i that makes me want to
1: yeah. So that's all saying. this to say, like, yes, if we lived in a world where people could watch a video of George Floyd uh, being murdered and and come away with it with something other than like, oh, shit, that's fucked up. That guy should go to prison like that. That should be <laughs> that should be like the uh, the one and only response to that. Right. horror and be like that that's that guy's a murderer but other uh, there are any sort of justifications that right-wing media will be like our poor police can't do oh, right. their jobs anymore right you know well and, and, and then it's... the whole like blue lives matter and it's like guess what a job is not a life that is right. not the same thing as a black experience it just isn't you're not born into a cop uniform
9: Oh my gosh, I hope that doesn't become a thing. Like, please don't please don't dress your babies up as, <laughs> as little police officers. No, but I, um, oh, there's so many. I think it's, I think what is so um, potentially problematic for a time that we're living in, such as this, is to see the video. And also, I didn't watch the full George Floyd being murdered I did, video. I did not I, either. Like, I didn't either. I, just, again, I don't need to see murder. Like, I no. don't need to see murder to say that this was wrong or to know all, you know, to, ar- I'm not going to argue this with people. Like, that's a personal right. boundary that I have. That, like, if if you would like to argue whether or not someone should be murdered, I don't really want to have a conversation with you about that yeah. subject. Yeah. So, because that's such an extreme thing. But I think yeah. what we need to pay attention to is how, how much, like, the subtle ways that white supremacy is reinforced day in and day out that get someone to be able to watch a video like that, where they are siding literally with the man who is kneeling on the neck of another man and saying, I recognize myself more in that white police officer than I do with the man on the ground. And that happens day in and day out. And that happens in, um, you know, like things that we don't think are as consequential, but like, Things like, um, this is this is what I'm reaching for right now. We'll see if it makes sense. But like, I just keep thinking about how there's more, there's more CEOs of Fortune 500 companies named John than there are women of color. So like, sorry, honey, that wasn't a, I love the name John. I think it's a great name. But stuff like that, like we expect to see leaders. We expect to see heroes. We, I mean, and that's apart from like the worship and, brainwashing of this like idolatry of police in america Mm -hmm. and policing in america that starts so young Mm
0: -hmm. that
9: we're literally like having to watch what our kids are watching and you know either preventing them from watching things or interjecting with not like hashtag not all cops basically um and saying things (laughs) like the other day or maybe this is today Milo was like, I'm going to put you in jail. And I was like, well, I don't believe in jail <laughs> <laughs> and just these subtle things that I'm like, I don't know if this is like, <laughs> I don't think he's like, wow. Like what, you right. know, what, what, my mom is a radical, <laughs> but just wanting to to not let the seeds of officer friendly be planted to not yeah. let the seeds of, if you're um, looking to hire you know, you're obviously going to hire another white man if you're a white man. Like, I know those are small things, but it's just, it's, it's, it's the spectrum of white supremacy and it all needs to be paid attention to yep. because it's in the smaller things that we let slide or that we're like, oh, whatever. That's how we get to a place where people are watching these videos and are like, well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe he like, who? yeah, I mean, t- counterfeit bills and I, who, yeah. So but it's, it's because it's not just a one, it, it's not just about that one video. It's not just about that one occurrence. This is, you're literal, I mean, I don't know who said this quote, but it's like, you know, we think of white supremacy as the shark, when really white supremacy is the whole ocean, you know, like we mm. are swimming in this stuff. Yeah. And so it's not like, Ooh, oh, oh. Police only—it's like police and education and housing and healthcare and it, like literally everything you touch. Which is why, when you, as a white person, ask Austin, "What should I do?" She's like, I, "Are you in healthcare? Or do you, are you a lawyer? Or do you work with children? Like, it's all gonna how you resist is gonna totally depend like where you are. Mm-hmm. So do some things and then. Right. Keep doing some more things and then keep doing, you know, um, but it's not a checklist that you can get out of. Otherwise we would be out of this already.
1: Yeah. It's almost like it's not easy and it's not one thing. And it's almost like it's not one cop going to jail. Right. You know, it's, it's so much bigger than that. I mean, because we could spend the next, you know, hour just listing horrible videos of uh, that we've seen of cops doing terrible things mm-hmm. to um there's a one with like a 5 year old who ran away from school did you see this one mm-hmm. uh and he ran away from school and the cop was talking to him like he was like he was an adult so mm-hmm. Milo's what 4 or
0: mm-hmm.
1: four? so just imagine that yeah. and this guy's like how old are you? Are you 18 years old? Are you old enough to make your own decisions? Do you know? It's, and he's like, it's like, wh- why Let, get in the car? Like you're making this way more difficult than you need to. And he's like, and then like, he's like talking to this and berating. This kid's like crying in the backseat of the car. He's like, don't nobody want to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. And then he takes him back to school and puts handcuffs mm. on oh this five-year-old gosh. and says, this is the life that you're you're heading down this is life you're five years old trauma this kid will never forget that yeah and like because this is yeah nobody died but this is again a larger part of the conversation about policing and this is something that has been said a billion times but it's worth repeating because you know when uh you train cops to be hammers. Everything looks like a nail. Mm-hmm. And so from a, a giant man like George Floyd to a five-year-old child mm-hmm. who ran away from school and you slap some handcuffs on it because you think tough love. And this is also just wrapped up in all of like the toxic masculinity stuff too. It's like, it's like these guys want to pretend like they're like they're heroes and like they're just some right. sort of like, tough guys. I mean, this isn't an issue related to race necessarily because it's, it was like happened with a like 73 year old woman who, who has dementia, who Mm. accidentally didn't pay for like $10 worth of stuff at a Walmart. Do you see the story?
9: I, um, I think I know what you're talking about, but yeah, so
1: she, so she had some stuff that she didn't pay for. They stopped her and she's like, oh, and then she offered to pay for it and they didn't, they took it back. And so she left, but the cop still chased, like she was walking home. yeah. And like took down this 73 year old woman with dementia who I think weighs 90 pounds.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she was like so confused and didn't know. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I'm like, what are we doing? Like, are we, we're just protecting the larger system of, yeah. of white supremacy and business interests over like ten dollars worth of merchandise that she didn't even have and she offered to pay for. Like I just don't like this is and and then so people look at this. Well, stuff. you know
9: what's good is that they're going after I think they're going after Jeff Bezos soon for the fact that he doesn't <laughs> pay any tax like oh sure sure, that, sure you know naturally. fifty like what it like um I don't know that he like doesn't let his like pregnant employees take bathroom breaks or so they're going, you know, they're, but they're, they're focusing, they're working their way up to criminals like that. And right now mm. they're just taking care of 73 year old ladies. Cause it's like low hanging fruit, but they're right. working their way up to, you sure. know, the, the, sure. criminal they're starting crimes off with of the, they're
1: starting off with the $10 crime right. and then they'll get up to the, the multi-billion dollar. Crimes.
9: Right. So don't uh, worry. That's the justice but, is going to come.
1: Yeah. And, uh, but don't worry, I've been seeing all these great ads about Amazon that they pay fifteen dollars an hour and the pay's awesome. And it's mm-hmm. like sure, guys, cool, cool. Um, yeah, but you you'll get the fifteen dollars, but you know, you have to wear monitors that you know like track all your movements and how efficient you're being. And you know, you better not leave to go to the bathroom because that could decrease your efficiency. You know, because
9: we don't uh, actually see you as human beings because no. It's- because this is all, yeah, you're it's all about
1: dehumanizing, people. dehumanizing yeah. right. people, just all of it. Uh yeah. So I feel like I
9: don't just... want to like take it, but I do also. T- I want to circle back to the fact that they're trying to say that because, um, because you're overweight means that you're an adult. Like okay. I recently learned that, like, fat phobia is definitely connected to, um. To racism, like that, like it's that that its roots, and I'm I would I feel hesitant to like throw that out there because I don't I haven't done a lot of research on it, but that's something that I'm, I mean because it's I mean any phobia is probably going to have some, you know, they steal from each other or they you know they morph together, Um, and so like so there's that, and why do you think like kids of color are you know more obese than other it's like well what what resources are in your neighborhood and what mm-hmm. what is you know so many things to yes to go off of that that like oh you didn't have like a felt figure so you deserve to die because you were right. probably going to die early anyway of obesity of, a, of diabetes or something so yes and then you'll well, be a strain on our resources
1: and you're, you're lazy and right you know uh yeah, that uh, it's, again, to we were saying earlier about like, where can we do anti-racist work? It's like, okay, well, where, what is your, what is your context? I mean, if you work, mm-hmm. if you work um, in like it, something, you know, if you want to work in a community and try and find ways to have, if it's like a food desert, you know? Mm-hmm. Find ways to get connections to um, try and get more food options that are outside of uh, corner stores or, mm-hmm. or because, or, um, I mean, sometimes you think about like uh, going in and buying some, fa- uh, buying fast food or processed food is generally cheaper than buying fresh vegetables because everything is backwards. Right. Like it's you know like you can you can buy like three cheeseburgers from McDonald's for the price of like one organic avocado.
9: Right. And then you look at the calorie intake yeah. that you're getting and it's going to be more filling to get the cheaper thing. Yeah. And so you're going to do th- I mean like as a parent yeah. I'm going to do the thing that's going to fill up my kid. Right. And an apple is not gonna fill up my kid the way that a bag of chips or right, right. yeah is gonna do it. Yeah I mean I, um I definitely think especially for your audience, I think I'm still here I could I, I could not think of a better book for them to start with, um, especially if it does feel like this is a little bit of like your on ramp to anti-racism work because mm. Austin is, so much of what her memoir, cause it's, it's, ba- it's basically a memoir. Um, and so much of her life experiences has, has been in predominantly white Christian spaces. Mm. And so I think that's why it has struck a nerve with so many people in churches or um, I mean, really anywhere in America, because, you know, I think there was like a survey that was just released that was like, if you're white you're like at a certain level of like probably being racist or whatever, which is a hundred percent by the way, but like, whatever you want (laughs) to, whatever you want to, if you like how they self-identified or. Right. I don't know. I can't remember what it was, but it was like, as soon as you added like Christian to it, it increased. Right. Um, So, but I think for your audience, like seeing spaces that we grew up in that we're comfortable with seeing the way that like, The gospel was presented or like right I mean I you know not to project my experience onto every you know listener of yours but like I think there were a lot of or some churches that were predominantly white that like did kind of like oh like let's yeah like we should try you know we should kind of try um like let's read the book divided by faith and let's kind of try to get at some of this stuff like let's be, you know, let's be unified. Like, you know, Jesus wouldn't want us divided. He'd want us unified. And, um, but it was very (laughs) um, controlled and very tempered. And there was again, like kind of an expiration to a lot of that work. Um, But I, but I think for a lot of people, it's so, you know, it's one thing to be exposed to something that feels like outside of your comfort zone it has like a different, it just hits you differently of like, wow, I can't believe like life was like that for that person. It's like a very different thing to be like, I know the spaces that this person is talking about because that reminds me of my church. Mm. And if I had these experiences as a white person, and she's telling me about those experiences as a black woman, like, holy, you know, it, it, it just, it's, um, I think it just hits you differently. And I think it's really important for it to, to think that because your, your congregation was all white doesn't mean that racism wasn't running rampant through it. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't just need to have someone, you know, some, I don't even know, like some incident at your church where like, Oh, we didn't like let the, whoever wanted to lead lead or something. Like just you being an all white congregation is probably like, you know, it's, Again, it's part of a system and it's larger and whatever. And I'm on a tangent. So that would be a great first sure. book. And that's like memoir. So that's very, it'll like get your heart beating and be like, wow, like I got to do something. So, um, oh my gosh, there's so many good books. Um,
3: just like people to follow or organization. Oh
9: my right? gosh. Okay, I'm not, I have like everyone. Um... Brittany Packnett Cunningham is incredible um, to follow. I just read the book Hood Feminism last year, which is, it's basically a look at all the women that white feminism leaves behind um, and how in order to actually move forward as women, we need to not, white women can't just be trying to get equality with white men. That won't actually do anything. Mm-hmm. That's just another, that's just another um, Example of white supremacy. Um, But so how all these, all these things to address um, when you're, when you're advocating for all women, it like lifts up (laughs) all women. Like it's this wild thing that happens. Uh, You could follow the next question. Uh, You Mm -hmm. should watch that web series where we interview people like Nicole Hannah Jones, who's another person to follow. She is a New York times, um, Reporter, And she was the, the architect behind the 1619 project that pissed a lot of conservatives off and basically <laughs> got banned. Um, 1619 is the first year where humans were brought across the ocean and uh, forced into labor um, in America, before it was America. Um, but she is an educational guru and she, I mean, she's an educate, that's her beat is education. And she just, she is a product of bus integration in Iowa. Um, and she just, she, yeah, she is just one of the smartest people I've ever, ever met. Leila Saad is incredible. Um, she has, the book, Me and White Supremacy, which is like a journal that you go through that's incredibly convicting. Isabel Wilkerson, who Mm. wrote um, The Warmth of Other Suns and Cast. I mean, those, The Warmth of Other Suns, I haven't finished Cast yet, but The Warmth of Other Suns gives you such a clear, like, it's so story-driven, but it gives you such a clear understanding of the history of America and why we're at where we're at by focusing largely on, you know, the great migration where, right. um, black people who are Southerners, um, looked for opportunity in the North, um, predominantly from like 1930 through like the 1950s and how racism, if you think that you're like, you know, on the good side, cause you're on the North, like,
4: right. yeah. you better
9: erase that thinking. Cause Check it's yourself. not, it's not valid. I mean, there's, there's just, there's so many people to follow right now, like, and I think that that is also, that's such a great tool, and then I think that could really be overwhelming for people, so I would just encourage you, if you're going to, you know, if you, if you really want to start taking a look at history, or at your complicity in, in white supremacy, or your avoidance of anti-racism work, like, to start by picking one thing yes, and just like finish a book <laughs> right, and then put it down and then pick up something else. Right. But I think a lot of people, and I, I feel this way all the time where it's like, Oh my gosh, I am running out of time. Like, I, how am I going to do all these things? Or, um, and so what I, what, what I have done, I remember a person asking me, like, how do I make sure that I stay in this work for the rest of my life? And I was like, well, you have to figure out a way that's going to make it sustainable for you. And so what is the thing that's going to keep you coming back? Because this isn't like, like fun. I mean, it's, it's incredibly transforming work and it's, it's so important." Um, but it's really painful and it's really discouraging a lot of the time. So you have to figure out what are the things that are going to keep you going. Mm-hmm. For me, like, I'm pretty clear about um, just trying to do like something every day. <laughs> like, and it, and like, I'm, I miss so many of the like calls to action of like all the people I'm supposed to call every day. But I emailed our chief of police and asked about, what de-escalation training do you have? Or I sent a dollar, they're not a dollar, a dollar amount to like, um, a, a project that like bails out black moms hmm. from jail. Like there's so there there's, I think it's this, there's, you know, just this like fire hose of opportunity. And for so many people, myself included, that's, such an easy way of just getting overwhelmed and then you actually do nothing so i would just yeah like how do you just do one thing and then finish that and then pick up the next phone or you know whatever but to just to feel like that's enough because it's not enough but it'll never be enough but you have to do something you know like it's such a yeah It's like any, it's like any relationship you have and you, like you could do all the things and still never do all the things that you probably should do. Right. But what else are you going to do? You have to do something, you know,
1: unless Um, you're white and then you don't have to do anything.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: That's, I mean, that's the reality is like, like I could, I could actively choose not to do something. And I think, with even with and that's i think the discouraging part is that people for now
9: yes for now you could do not i mean you and john are like more safe than i am from white supremacy cuz you're white men so you have right. like the patriarchy working for, for you but sure. ultimately we're all going to die of this <laughs> yes. so
1: yeah you know and and i think the scary part to me is the way uh, the church just continues to be so complicit and and holding a lot of this up and you know, you you were talking earlier about like, um, about the church and mm-hmm. whether or not your church was act, you know has ra- racist tendencies, and it's like, well, here's here's a test. Um, <laughs> walk to your fellowship hall and see if you have the Warner Salmon painting mm-hmm. of Jesus there and ask yourself like, okay, why is this the depiction of Christ we choose mm-hmm. to have in our church? Mm-hmm. Why is the, the European white, f- brown flowing white Jesus mm-hmm. the, the, the way we are choosing to depict the Christ? Do you know the history street? of that painting? Um, uh, other than other than the Warner Solomon, uh element and him being from Chicago, that's that's
9: so he was commissioned by the covenant church, mm. which we all know and love. Yes. And they basically were like, we need to market Jesus better. It was basically like mad men style, like we have to make him appealing. And so he did. And I mean, he obviously didn't know how popular it was going to become, but it was featured in the Covenant Companion. Mm -hmm. And then from there, like, I don't know how it spread so quickly or so widely, but it was basically like a marketing thing.
1: Super gross. Yeah. Um, And I mean, it's, it's, I grew up in the Covenant Church. So from like, from preschool, from a young age, um, having grown up in the covenant church and seeing that from my youth Mm -hmm. in every covenant church that I went to Mm -hmm. and having that be like your understanding of like, Mm. uh, what salvation, you know, it's like, again, like who the hero of the story is. Right. Right. And if we're talking about the hero of the story of the story, Mm -hmm. it's a white man as, as, as it's propagated by the covenant church is the the salvation uh, of all people is through this white man.
9: Yeah. Um so I wrote a book, I maybe should have talked about that early, but I like I the reason I know the origins of that painting is because I I studied it because in the covenant church that John and I attended and are kind of attending now, we're we're like trying it out again. Um but they have they have in what is that called no, Well, what's the like mean sanctuary. sanctuary in the sanctuary the the there's like six portraits of Jesus and he's brown or black in all of them, but they're mm. like they're like hanging um, in the sanctuary. and then mm. behind these hanging images of Jesus is in stained glass like a more like a, a white Jesus and I I tell this story in my book so far. It hasn't been edited yet. So it's not, so this might be a magbot
1: exclusive. I'm getting that exclusive?
9: <laughs> you know it. Um, but I remember talking to someone cause I was on like the diversity team or whatever at this church. And I remember just saying like how much I appreciated the way that Jesus is depicted in all of these, or I didn't say, all, but, you know, in the, in the ones where he's black or brown. And I just remember someone saying to me like, yeah, but it takes like just a pair of scissors for those to all come down or even, you know, like a strong wind could come and like break those down. You have to actually break glass to get the white Jesus out of, out of this place visually. Mm -hmm. And so I like unpack that a lot in my book, but um, but that really stuck with me because I I think that's what we see the tendency to do in so in, in churches in you know we're seeing this in advertisers or you know in corporations where it's like quick and I don't I I love this church that I'm referencing and I, yes. I it, it, this was not like a band aid that they put up like they the they are trying to live out anti racism day in and day out in in the church work. So and I don't mean have been this
1: up And about- those have been up for years. The What's ones that? Those, yeah. those images have been up for years. This isn't like right. a- This is
9: not a reactive- This isn't a
1: new installation. Right.
9: This it's- isn't their equivalent of a black square on June 6th on right. your Instagram, whatever.
4: Right, right, right.
9: Um, But I, I think there is this tendency of like, everyone's, you know, slapping up- <laughs> Can I say that more, <laughs> but like, you know, hanging these like black and brown Jesuses, or, or these symbols of like, yeah, we really are committed. And we're, and it's like, okay, but how, what tool would I need to, co- what tool would I need to bring to eradicate that from, from, from your space, mm-hmm. from your organization, from your strat you know, stratop plan or what, you know, your five-year plan. Like if I can come with a pair of scissors and like remove that thing, that's not actually like part of your DNA, you know? And, and I, I obviously we can't like, I think this is like a white tendency of being like, well, like I wasn't there when they built the church. Geez, Like if I, you know, (laughs) maybe I would have said, don't have him be so white, man. Um, it's like, okay, well, that's not, it's not the point, but it's a larger, like, this stuff has been in our DNA for centuries. Hmm. It's not just going to take, like, a quick, you know, poster that you hang to offset that it's literally in the walls, it's in the fabric of our institutions and systems, and so hang up the black, like, like yes, like, have that be, like, a helpful reminder that Jesus, in and um, you know, he was... A person of color um in order to really like uproot the things that we're we're seeing that are happening it's not just going to take us having a great like diversity equity it's not just going to take like a great like diversity equity and inclusion training Mm -hmm. you know annually at your company like you're going to need to break the stained glass that has the white Jesus, like that needs to, that needs to go in order for you to actually deal with, you know, deal with the roots of what we're, what we're talking about. And I think, um, I think that's what a lot of the conversations about, you know, defunding the police or, uh, you know, abolition work in general is really trying to get at, like, I mean, the word radical is Latin for to, to pull up by the root. And so I think that's what, you know, as we're Mm -hmm. having these conversations, it's like, you need to be pulling up some roots mm-hmm. otherwise we're just going to perpetuate the same stuff over and over again so
1: coming with coming with the truth bombs and with the latin lessons that's right jenny booth potter's uh, just got it all
3: speaking of your book you should plug <laughs> it before you go
9: yeah so i wrote a book um, it will be released spring of 2022 um It feels like a little early to plug it, but exclusive.
1: <laughs> no, we'll, we'll get... I'm a... sure you'll hear more about it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when, when it comes out, we'll, you know, might have to do a Magpod book club or, yeah. or something.
9: <gasps> That'd be cool. Wait, am I allowed to be back on or did I? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes.
9: Okay. <laughs> I'm feeling more love from Andrew right now. <laughs>
1: What's that, Kevin? Uh, I need to... <laughs> Kevin's calling me. I should. Uh... Thank you for joining us, babe.
9: Yeah. Thanks for having me, everyone. Thanks for it's.
1: It's a pleasure uh, to have you. Um, Got to have you on for the Five Timers Club. But um, JB <gasps> Potter... Do I get
9: a jacket or something then? I
3: think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. One ear horn for every appearance so far, there at least. <laughs>
1: um, thanks to. Jenny Booth Potter for once again coming on the pod to talk about these very important issues. Um, but we have another uh, important some other important work as Chris from, <laughs> <laughs> from Mars Wrigley yes. has said we do. We need to discuss ACE troubleshooters 2004 record. It's never enough. Mm. John, let's let's take a break, come back do this very important work. Sounds good.
9: I'm Avery Smith, and I'm here to invite you to Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, a multi-faith podcast of transgender stories. Whatever your own relationship to gender and spirituality may be, you will find yourself enriched by the stories shared by my guests, who so far have ranged in religion from Christian and pagan to Jewish, Sikh, atheist, and beyond, and have hailed from the US, Chile, Poland, Australia, and more. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts or read along with episode transcripts by visiting blessedarethebinarybreakers.com See you there!
1: And we're back. This album is how people think about us when they're listening to the pod. They're like, three hours, it's never enough over here. Four hours, please. Four hours, please. More please.
3: <laughs> Money, please. Money, please. <laughs> um, yes. I've already
1: I've always said that uh Nagpod Nation is like Mona Lisa Saperstein from yes. Parks and Rec. Absolutely. Money, please. That's
3: all we say on our Patreon every week. Um, <laughs> we are talking the third label released and unfortunately final release mm. album phrase Troubleshooter. It's never enough.
1: It's, I, it is never enough hey, for me. It's not enough. I it would like enough,
3: more. wasn't enough, John. More ACT, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, uh, this was released... March twenty third, two thousand four, on Tooth and Nail, and as we've said before, neither one of us was really even aware of it, right? I I was maybe tangentially, but like I'm sure I saw that it came out, but I I did not pick this one up.
1: No, either did I, and I'm not I'm not exactly sure why I didn't. Uh, maybe I don't know. I don't know. It just didn't. It never really uh jumped out to me. Um yeah.
3: I have a feeling that's true for a lot of folks who might consider themselves Ace fans as yeah. I don't know that this one is particularly well known, but um yeah, so I was hearing all of this pretty sure for for the first time uh, when we prepared for this. Um and I will say it's not my favorite album of theirs. Um it's a very different sound and even though you know the madness of the crowds was a different sound than self-titled I'd say this goes even further in that direction of sort of straight ahead rock hard rock um and I do uh, you know the more time that I spent with it the more that I appreciated it I think there are a lot of cool elements here I think there are a lot of things to like but you know if the self-titled is kind of my go-to mode for them and if I could kind of appreciate the ways that they explored new areas of the madness of the crowds, this is just like kind of further and further away from my sort of preferred ace mode. Um, but, you know, I, I do think there there are a lot of things to like about it too.
7: Yeah. it uh,
1: This album never really reaches the highs of the previous two records for me. No. There are no. great moments and there are things to uh you see them taking different kinds of risks on this yeah. record um but but sometimes i feel like it's it's also interesting because there it's the first time in it's the only time in this three album stretch that i'm going to what i would say like that his sometimes his vocal performance is like fine and not like it like it. It's just sometimes I feel like it's it doesn't feel as inspired uh, yeah. at, at at certain moments, or maybe the songs don't feel as inspired or as risky as as Madness. Definitely felt like we're going a different direction. We're taking some risks, and this yeah. just feels like a like almost Madness part two, but like yeah. not as not taking the same sort of in-studio interesting risks as maybe they did on Madness.
3: Yeah, it's interesting to have heard that, you know, the reason they went with, or at least part of the reason why went, they went with a different producer is because they wanted a, a different sound. They wanted to experiment and try some new stuff, which they certainly did. It's interesting then that, as you said, in the last segment, they were, they again went with uh, Tim Padlin at The Loft, um, recorded again, and I think you know, I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm not surprised. It's just interest I would like to learn more about like why they wanted to continue more in that vein and maybe not experiment in a different way. Um, this definitely feels more sort of along the lines of that record. Although, as you said, not as experimental, I would say the mix is kind of similar to the last record where, yeah, again, it doesn't feel as immediate as the self-titled record. Um, and I don't mind it, but it is a different sound. Um,
1: but it's yeah. also not as noisy, like no, yeah, you know, right. like Madness had this, uh yeah, like room shaking sort of
0: quality yes.
1: to it. Even if even if the mix was not, yes, uh, what what everybody <laughs> would want it to be, right. it still felt like there are lots of noisy layers and the whole wall of uh, of guitar sort of sounds and and this this has some of that but Mm -hmm. um i don't know i don't i don't i don't feel i just doesn't i just don't feel the the same level of yeah it's not as interesting i guess as
3: yeah yeah i mean i to your point about john's voice i think it i think it does sound good here but he maybe doesn't get as many chances to sort of reach these like soaring highs that he did on madness. Um, oh, yeah. I, w- I will say the background vocals sound really good throughout. I like that. There are a lot of those and a lot of harmonies. Um, I appreciate that aspect. Um, and we should say, uh, some different, uh, folks, uh, performing this time. We have Toby Zimmerman on guitar and Joey Krube on bass. Um, you know, lyrically, there's a lot of sort of cryptic love songs. uh, Mm -hmm. I think I would say like nothing overtly faithy. I think there are some faith elements, but not as explicit as even the last couple of records, probably. Um, It's mostly kind of romance songs, but told more poetically than straightforward. Um, It's kind of emotionally wrought at times. Um, But I think his, you know, we've talked a lot about the poeticism of his lyrics. I certainly think that continues here um, that he just has a, a unique, way of of describing things that sort of takes it a level above a lot of his contemporaries at the time yeah um, so there are things thematically that I that I like about it for sure um, it just it wasn't one that it wasn't that hard to pick my top three I would say whereas that was a real challenge with the last two
1: yeah um, I yeah a majority of my top three are in the first half
3: okay interesting yeah yeah
1: so this is uh this is where I feel like <laughs> You and I. Well, there's there. I think, I think, yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll see where we'll
3: see. (laughs) Let's, uh, should we see right now? Dive in. I think we,
1: I think we should. Um, and this is not the social D song. (laughs) No, um, ball and chain. My number one. My number one. Oh shit. Yeah.
3: I think we might we might have some overlap here. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, um really fun.
1: Yeah, it's fun. Um I like la- the opening opening uh riff is yeah, great. It is great. I like I like the sort of the dropouts that they yeah. that they do and and the soaring background vocals. Yeah, they're great. Just great. perfect
3: yeah this is the third record in a row where the number where the first song is my number one song so i feel like they just know how to get out of the gate with (laughs) like a real energetic opening track uh that kind of sets the tenor of the the record so i i like it a lot i am on board for the energy here as you said i feel like the harmonies and background vocals are kind of a uh significant piece of this album so i like that You know, I was a little uh, afraid going into a song called Ball and Chain. Right, right, right. (laughs) I was like, what are we going to get into? But I feel like it's almost like said as like a term of endearment in that way. Like it's the song is not about the burden of a relationship. It's about, you know, he's missing the other person. Um,
1: Yeah, it's you. you think you think it's going to be some sort of burden that he's carrying around because of a person, but it's almost like the maybe ball and chain is is not the appropriate metaphor <laughs> yeah. um, because when people think of ball and chain they they think of like an inconvenience right, of right, some right. kind. It, he says uh, yeah, the tunes on the stereo make me wish I was home. I'm feeling like a leg missing. It's it's ball and chain. A mm. leg missing, it's ball and chain. Um so, uh, like those two things belong together. Right, right. Um I I don't know. It's 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 a it's a cur- it's a curious uh analogy. Yeah.
3: I feel like it, yeah, it's almost like maybe tug in cheek where it's like sure, you know, there is this this thing that's missing. So in that sense, it's like, I am tied to this, but I kind of like being tied to it. I don't know. And yeah, every time I see the title, all I can think is take away this
1: ball and chain. (laughs) So
3: I feel like that's just in my head over the whole thing. So, um, good song though.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, around everything, the about around the ball and chain part makes me wish I was home uh mm-hmm. it seems cliche to love you um uh and he's hates being away from from this person and um jealous of people that get to be near her when um he can't and it's like these are all really relate- relatable things yeah um but yeah there's definitely a tongue a tongue in cheek part yeah with the ball and chain
3: um Another good sign. Anything. Number three. All right. Thought maybe uh, you'd get in there too.
1: Nope. Nope. My number <laughs> three is gonna be a song you do not like. Okay.
3: <laughs> well, I like this one. I think there not everything works for me. Um, as I've said on the pod in the past, the sort of breathy voice delivery always bothers me. So if there's kind of like a, and this is what we're doing, uh, yeah. it just kind of was like too much for me. But I will say like, by the time they get to the chorus, all, all that is is forgiven. There's there's a lot of cool elements here. I, I feel like I, the chorus, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no I, I would like the blown out vocals, I think, are uh, yeah. something to highlight in this song. Is that it's, yes. that's, th- this is a, a, a slick pop punk song. This is not. Is, right, right. Yeah. Like blown out peaking vocals. Yes, right. It's, totally. a, it's a creative choice. Yeah.
3: Um, and that chorus is like, I don't know, it just kind of explodes. There's like yeah. that deep bass of the like do doo 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 do that really like hits mm. me for that part. I like the center, the chord. oh my gosh, the sort of central riff that that it's built around. And then the harmonies. I just think it all comes together in a really satisfying way by the time it gets to the chorus. Um, yeah. Which pushes it up to my top three for me. I feel like there's a little bit of Jimmy Eat World vibes on the chorus. Um, I felt a lot of those on the last record, and I think some of them remain here. Um, and uh, some dark, cryptic lyrics. Uh, I think Well, we should shout out a little bit of John's Delivery Corner here. Mm. The song opens with, uh, or this is a vocabulary corner, really. Lassitude your demeanor <laughs> are the first <laughs> words of the song. Uh, lassitude, not a, not a term I throw around uh, on the reg. Uh, So props to him. I don't know. I sort of read it. I feel like you could definitely read it as wanting to convert someone to Christianity. Um, But like many songs on the record, there's sort of a girl or God is this sort of romance or is this a different kind of relationship type thing happening?
1: Well, are you trying to sell me some, anodynes john
3: yeah that's more <laughs> more john vocab corner <laughs> um yeah overall i i, I like the song quite a bit
1: uh in keeping with the theme mm. jasmine it has been way
10: too long john's
1: delivery corner yeah it has been way too long since back
10: when jasmine i've been wrong i've been wrong about nothing
1: This is my number two. Yeah. Um
3: you're right, it's not my favorite.
1: <laughs> but keep going. Uh it, it's uh undeniable. The stay around you. Stay yes. around.
3: It's very, very catchy chorus.
1: So catchy with the sound of our straws sipping down you-hoo. Ah, uh, it's 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 <laughs>
3: with the sound of the straws it's it, it yeah, his it's the
1: delivery of it is is just so Earwormy, and it it gets it gets me there. It gets me there pretty quickly. Um, yeah, more so than uh, you know. I think um, Amanda Amanda's was great, but there's just something too about this this chorus yeah. that uh, less. <laughs> it's also less problematic in the in, yes. in the sense, um, but. So what, yeah. what, what do you, tell me what you hate about it, John.
3: Oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't <laughs> hate it. Just kidding. It's just like, it just doesn't really go to the next level for me. I like the chorus. It's catchy, but it just doesn't kind of like go into that mode of like, Oh, this is sort of transcending that for me. And Amanda was not my favorite either. This is, this is sort of continuing the girl's name song, yeah. ace tradition, um, I think this is probably the most well-known on the record. If there was like a single that they tried to push, I think it was this one. I feel like. I always
1: assumed it would have been uh, th- this or Ball and Chain. Those would be my like yeah. two.
3: I know this one was on uh, The Nail, Volume 2, the Tooth and Nail comp. Um, and I think uh, I think this one's a little more well-known from this record. So okay. I, I, I do enjoy it. Um,
1: well, the Spotify streams back up your assertion.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, people like those ace, uh, girl songs, yeah, girl, do. girl name songs. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely enjoy it. It just doesn't, again, to your point about like feeling safe or not, it just doesn't ever get to like a moment of like, oh, that was unexpected. Even if I enjoy where it goes, um, the lyrics are a little nonsensical, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but he likes Jasmine and wants to be with her <laughs> despite some issues. That's my takeaway. Um, you know, sometimes you just want to sip down some yuho with somebody you love.
1: Yeah, um, the one of the lines I don't totally understand. Um, I'm the proof you're beautiful. Right. When when you're aloof, I get dumb. Um. Yeah. Uh. So <laughs> I don't know. Confusing. Maybe he's saying because uh, because she's so beautiful, she can do whatever, and he's yeah. just falls for her. I don't know.
3: I think that's yeah, sort of the idea. Like despite all the despite some issues, he's still
1: short some shortcomings on Jasmine's part.
3: Right. He's still still smitten. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think I think it's a fun one. Right on. Not my top three though. What's that? Not my top three though. Oh
1: well, I mean we can all be wrong sometimes. (laughs) Um, And now for the red hot chili peppers (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Disagree with that But I have some thoughts
3: If you threw over like an Anthony Kiedis over that. Wouldn't that sound like the Chili Peppers? Uh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> that is a flawless Kiedis. Uh, but to get to get the, the full Kiedis, John, if you if you want to go full ketus you got to take your shirt off. That's fair. <laughs> um, but this is my number three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I this is in in sort of the Andrew and John fashion anything that kind of borders on sort of grungy or you know 90s alt rock sound i'm yeah. sort of like ready for it and here for it in yeah. the same way that there was some of that on dog on some dogwood that i was right, here right. for and you were just like nah nah eh, eh. but uh, i my my comparison was that it it could easily be a straight up like soundgarden or pearl jam song yeah. Sorry, I came to California.
3: I California. Sorry, I'm gonna stop.
1: No, I was thinking that this was something off of like could be something off of Ten or you know some some other some Sound Garden records, you know, but. I don't yeah. know. I I and then the, nee, 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 nee,
0: nee, yeah, nee, and the the
1: noisy guitar and I'm I was I was I was there for all that.
3: Yeah, I I don't dislike it, but you're right. It's just it's not a mode that I love for them. It's not like my go to Ace mode. I could see this being a radio friendly song for an alt rock band at the time, like easily as you're saying. This could yeah. this was certainly kind of in keeping. Um, And maybe, I mean, Incubus is a different vibe, but to uh, color Danny's voicemail that we heard earlier, like Mm -hmm. perhaps this is an Incubus adjacent song as well, you know, kind of one of those bands. So yeah, it's certainly catchy and could have been a song from one of those hard rock leaning bands at the time. Um, I think the bridge is really cool. Heading back into the final chorus, maybe we could hear some of that at like uh, 227.
1: Also, one of my uh, one way that I measure whether or not something is a top three contender mm. is how often I find myself humming or yeah. thinking about the chorus. And this yeah. was one that I I like. Sometimes I'd wake up in the morning and I'm like,
0: "It would take a lot."
1: <laughs> yeah, like I would I would have the song in my head yeah so it's
3: it's it's a good hook it's very catchy i mean a lot of these
8: songs
1: that would be that'd be like one of those like you pick up the bass and you're just like let me just play this right and then and then
0: and
1: then then john comes in he's like we're coming from california we do lots of heroin my name is anthony kideos a shirt i'm not wearing
3: that's good. I mean, that's a good, solid rhyme. Oh man, <laughs> send me a hammer hit in a Los Angeles. Um, this is great. Um, no, I, I think it's. I think it's fun. I. It's maybe like a uh, breakup song, relationship travel song. Uh, clearly trying to make something right in a relationship after something difficult happened, uh, but I can't totally parse it past that. Um, but. I think yeah it's it is an enjoyable song we it's funny how we've kind of come different ways at all these ace albums even if we both like all of it for the most part so right um
1: i enjoy it (laughs) i was just uh i was just thinking about that um that that ben wyatt moment from parks and rec with, the, uh, with the, the signed Red Hot Chili Peppers guitar. It's like, yeah. I don't even like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's not even from their original lineup. <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, man. And then he did a podcast about it for a little bit in real life. For like
1: one episode. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they made the right call. Um, yeah. Uh, right. Now for something entirely different.
1: Very different. Uh, uh, sea shanty adjacent, we'll just say. <laughs> yes.
10: Walking on the seaside with the sunset over.
3: i think
1: it's i think it's cute i like it
3: i really like it i think it's really pretty i am i'm kind of a sucker for that sort of like i don't know what what would you call it like sort of 1920s like old timey style just kind of like sweet song um
1: i can i can hear this throw this on a on a 45 record (laughs) you and your you and your (laughs)
0: favorite (laughs) you and your favorite
1: gal getting on the dance floor and cutting the rug totally um yeah, this yeah, this, this is a like a 19, 1940s radio announcer. Um, <laughs> right. And coming up next, we have the latest single from the Ace Troubleshooter, Seaside. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, I'm not su- really sure if it's like a, a song, <laughs> like it's just a little kind of throwaway, and then it's but
1: like then it's a reprised a reprised hidden track. Yes. Well, they they. Um, they do the reprise correctly right. as, as as opposed to the dogwood that had the the reprise Game before first. before yeah. the actual song. Um reprise. Um so.
3: yeah, I I wonder if they tried a more proper version at a certain point, uh with like a full band, or if they just were like, This is kind of cool as it is. Either way, I'm I kind of prefer this. I think it's kind of nice that it's just very lo-fi audio and just him and the guitar. Um, but I could see like a full, like, you know, like horns on top of it. (laughs) Like, I don't know, just a fully built out kind of big bandy style thing. But I don't know. I think it's kind of like sweet as this little moment.
1: Yeah. Sort of a a transition moment from a, uh, 90s alt rock song to lo-fi little, Little ditty.
3: These guys contain multitudes.
1: Yes. I feel like Seaside is uh, the a definition of a Diddy. Yeah.
4: <laughs> it's just a little classic ditty. ditty.
1: Classic Diddy. Um <laughs> classic Diddy, bro. <laughs> classic Diddy. John Warren always pumping up them classic <laughs> diddies. He's old, he's a little ditty machine.
3: <laughs> oh boy.
1: All right. Uh turn around. Ooh.
4: Mm.
1: Fade those drums in bro (laughs) It. <laughs> I mean, it's I to me. This is it's a uh, fine. fine, you yeah. know. It's it's uh, John writes good choruses. Yes, um, for sure. I and this is no exception, but uh, the the verses are little samey to me. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing that doesn't really. The song doesn't like explode in any particular moment. It doesn't. No. It just. It the in in fact it feels like it's sort of an anticlimactic. There's like not really a pre-chorus. It just sort of goes from the verse to the chorus. Yeah. And so there's not that like. I feel like some of the some really strong Ace songs have that pre-chorus build that you're just like. And it explodes into the something big, but
3: yeah, no, I, I I don't disagree. I think it was one that took a few listens for me to really. It was a grower, um, yeah. and it kind of
1: it's a it's a grower, and then there's a full release once it <laughs> once it reaches its full potential.
3: Exactly, um, but yeah, it, I think the melody is is interesting. It I don't think it it I think it's like deceptively. Complex in a way, and it sort of yeah. took me a while to hang on to that. To hear it a few times, and be like, "Oh, I actually really like where this goes in terms of the chord progression." Um, I think John sounds really good. I think the harmonies sound good.
4: The harmonies um, are
3: great. It's just kind of that like power pop song mode, yeah. um, which I'm here for. Here um, he
1: layers, he layers harmonies yeah. very well.
3: He's like a Brian Wilson over here. Yeah. Um,
1: this yeah. is the smile of the Ace Troubleshooter discography. <laughs> right.
3: Yeah, I'm into that. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. It kind of crept up into eventually being one that I really liked from the record. Um, lyrically, sort of a, a plea to let the relationship continue. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of sort of romantic, but still kind of like stormy uh, songs on this album.
1: Um, I wonder if that's the... Uh was the impetus for the cover.
3: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's Tempest after all.
1: I, uh, I, um, the album cover never really did much for me.
3: No, no. It's, it's like a lightning storm for folks who yeah haven't seen it. Um, yeah, But it's kind of like album cover. <laughs> Yeah. generic rock album cover number four <laughs> i don't know
1: yeah um, it it it's it doesn't feel very inspired to me whereas the first two are like yeah iconic sort of logo situation going on then you have mm-hmm. the band on the white background kind of popping off and then this is like i don't know this just didn't really do much for me in terms of the cover it's just it just feels sort of me.
3: So that's your defense, huh? The next song is called "My Defense." It is. <laughs> <laughs> right there um i guess
1: you don't i Um, mean (laughs) yeah this 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 song is is fine for me it's fine i agree i just like that riff a lot yeah um yeah
3: it just doesn't really grab me overall um and you know i
1: just want to give another little more love there
3: don't love the breathy quiet vocals as you know so it's not necessarily the mode I'm no, keen to hear.
1: I and I feel like that's we're getting quite a, a bit of, of that, that yeah. on this record. And which is why I was, you know, when you compare some of the vocal performances on Madness, like yeah. you know, have it all and Estella um and Numinous, you know, yeah. it's just like so strong, soaring. Yeah. so soaring, and yeah. this some of this is, and I don't know, maybe that's it's a vibe he's going for. Maybe he is going for a subdued. Maybe he's going for, yeah, uh, introspective and sort of dark and, and melancholy. But uh, and again, when I think that... when we when we talk about Ace modes, we like,
3: yeah, um, I want to hear this guy belting.
1: I want when you if you've got it worn, <laughs> flaunt yeah. that shit. You've yeah. got you've got them pipes. Yeah, we man. know you do. You just showed us for two <laughs> albums.
3: Right. Yeah. It, and it's certainly not out of step with kind of that, you know, post grunge hard rock sound, where that was certainly a prominent sort of vocal effect. That's sort of like, like that kind of, right. That was beautiful, right? Um, Nailed it. That kind of vocal sound. Uh, again, So now I've got like Incubus in my head and I don't even like <laughs> know Incubus super well, but that sounds like something that would happen in Incubus song sort of like a muffled thing. Um, I feel, it does have like a good payoff for a bridge buildup, I think I like that part. Um, as far as thematically again kind of a girl or God song like I think it took me a few listens to realize that I don't think it's about a relationship with a human (laughs) I think it's about a relationship (laughs) with God uh but I think it could apply to either and once I sort of realized that's what it was I sort of um appreciated it more um you know he says I lose my defense at your answers which I think was sort of me thinking about like oh I always kind of like lose myself around you ultimately I fall back in love with you but if it's about God I think it's kind of more interesting to be like I was Mm -hmm. kind of um you know, if I have questions or difficulties or whatever, I still sort of um, lose my defenses around the idea of of God and, and of relationship with God. I don't know. I just think it's, it's an interesting one from that perspective.
1: Interesting. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that.
3: Yeah. And I could be wrong, but I think that's what he's going for.
1: Uh, Helen Burns? yeah man have we gotten your number two not yet oh shit this sounds like some modest mouse (laughs) yeah
10: Back home, I didn't stay all the night through with you without knowing you gone. Without time for the world to breathe on, the changing dust it awoke. Glimpses of all the So
3: this one it's pretty it is very pretty i like the just that warm sound of the guitar yeah in that central riff a lot and you know you said modest mouse which i can hear i was sort of thinking again we've talked about midwest emo yes certainly in that universe um yeah that, yeah, yeah I, just, I was
1: yeah for my, my first thought in, is that this is very much in in all of that vibe but like the 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 way he bends the string is yeah that's very modest mouse that makes me feel modest mouse
3: yeah for sure um yeah this is probably my number four i really like the melody a lot um and it's one that again the first listen maybe i was kind of like ah doesn't really go anywhere for me but it's so i really like the kind of vibe of the melody and again it does some surprising things that maybe i didn't pick up on initially um I think the lyrics are like pretty beautiful. Um, so Helen Burns is a character in Jane Eyre, um, who dies. And once I sort of like, cause he says gray Havens, which is a Lord of the, Lord Rings, the Rings reference. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, these are dying things for right. sort of literary deaths and yeah, sort of using perhaps about someone close to him dying, uh, told poetically through these other characters potentially but yeah i thought at first it was like another like girl's name like helen burns like emo (laughs) but then i was like oh wait a second um once i realized it's sort of about death and you know with like the gray havens it's like where the elves go across the sea to the next world so it's all sort of death metaphor so i don't know i really i it all came together for me in a really cool way once i sort of put those pieces together
1: but i also like the Don't know if I'll see you when it's my Mm -hmm. turn to come home. Don't know if I'll see you, but I hope so. But I hope so.
3: Yeah, man. That kind of gave me chills when you read it just now. I just feel like it's like just really beautifully said. I don't know. I like this one a lot.
1: To be woken from the long sleep of this world's night. That's, he just, (laughs) this guy knows a turn of phrase, people. John Warren knows the deal. Knows how to, knows how to say the words in goodly ways. (laughs) poet laureate of this oh. season <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, big fan yeah. big fan of the way he writes the words indeed that um, was not my
3: number two though still to come
1: ooh okay well maybe
10: don't touch this just look and feel it's your way through can't tough this this temp is
4: just yeah
1: OK, <laughs> I like the subtle things in this song. Um, hmm. I like I like the verses and some of the layered guitar work that they do, which is some of the the punctuations of the guitars.
10: Yeah. Sure. Yeah.
1: There's some parts that I'm just like, this is little attention to details and um it's one of the rare times where I feel like I like what's being done in the in the verse and the pre-chorus more than what's done in the actual chorus
3: right yeah I can see that yeah I, I think you know to your point I think the guitar sounds good I think the drums sound good here good drum performance um there's a cool little guitar solo in the bridge too that I like um but just Taking the whole thing together, I guess, it just doesn't really get to the next level for me. Um. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Into that. Into that. Yeah. Maybe it does go to the next level for me. Yeah. That was pretty great. <laughs> um, I think
1: it I think there's some good building elements to this song. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's it's not like it's not exactly like one of those quiet loud quiet no. It there's there's I feel like they stack. There's some stacking going yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. Um but I do like I do like the little bit of more of a payoff towards the end of the song.
3: Yeah, agreed. Um, And again, obviously going through some kind of emotional stormy event here in Tempest, um, but not totally clear.
1: Shall we move on to hoping?
4: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: number two okay i love that like do 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 like that feels like a pretty undeniable central riff to me
1: it's a great riff I and think the, 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 yeah. the the way the the I, I don't know what the time signature is right it. yeah it it's sounds a, a little
4: one,
3: two, three, four, five, yeah it's definitely doing some interesting
1: stuff yeah uh I mean, it sounds like it's 4-4, but... I think so. But the guitar is doing some interesting stuff. Maybe it's 4-4 and it's just...
3: It's just a cool riff. Very fun, very catchy chorus, I think. It's a cool little keyboard in the bridge that I'm into. Yeah, I just really like the energy of this one. I feel like the harder-hitting ones are always kind of my my fave. Um, And there's a little bit of a girl or God element happening here too, but I think it's another sort of stormy relationship song. That's the vibe I get.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm looking on genius, which is not necessarily a um, (laughs) definitive definitive, but like whoever put the lyrics in here, they have capitalized your, so so maybe it is a
3: God song. I don't know, but that's not this guy.
1: You never know.
3: <laughs> I kind of like that it could be either.
1: Every day it's getting colder, and I find I'm getting older. Emo. Um, Yeah. The uh, I'm not gonna trust whoever put this into Genius because their uh, spelling is terrible. Mm. So called out. Called out whoever did this.
3: Um. um yeah. They don't know like- how to
1: spell the word. Climes,
3: mm. C L I M mm. E S. Maybe it's like a cool John Warren word we don't know.
1: Maybe so. Maybe maybe I'm poning myself.
3: This is from the Latin "climas."
1: <laughs> Climas, <laughs> Clim- yeah.
3: Um, um, but I see. like that song a lot.
1: Uh, a region considered <laughs> with reference to its climate. Sure. Maybe no. I think you're. I think it's uh, the actual. Um, you think that's what he's talking about here? It says uh, uh, the 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 example is the continent and its sunnier climbs.
3: Maybe it's like it's like in the climb. weather today. But that cl- how about those climbs, bro?
1: That them climbs, bro. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think no. I'm 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 wrong. There you go. I Cap- got capitalized that not to you be are. confused with climb a climb mm. is a region known for its weather in the dead of winter we dream about heading to sunnier climbs there you go you got pwned. i got <laughs> i'm a, i'm the asshole <laughs> fuck me that's right
3: yeah. oh boy
1: well the more you know that's right john john is what a vocab corner today. john Warren is bringing the vocab this
3: this bringing uh, that
1: thesaurus yeah you know what I'm, I'm gonna leave this in. I want this to be a lesson to everybody. A lesson in humility.
3: Yes, you flew See, like, too close to the sun. With I, your take. I, I, the,
1: I flew to those climbs were a little too little too hot for me, and I got burned. Uh, yep, yep. I, I need some cooler climbs now because I got burned.
3: Uh, yes. All right, just don't do it again.
1: No, I just I won't. I will uh, I've learned my lesson.
10: Don't do it again, girl.
1: Yeah, this is my least favorite song on the record.
3: Now we should say, John gave us a little warning on this one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and said when you talk about the song and find it problematic, which it is, or something like that, he's like it was. It was for a friend, meant to come out as tongue in cheek, and boy, howdy, does not come off that way. <laughs> and you know, it's not as uh, I don't stumble in this one as maybe as much as some other songs, but it is a bummer. Um, you know, he calls her the words crazy and psycho and loco multiple loco. times. Yeah. Uh, not always the best, but I don't know. Yeah. This song doesn't do a ton for me. It's, you know, kind of fun and bouncy, but it just, uh, I don't know.
0: Not
1: yeah. My fave. No. Um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, one of those songs where, you know, when I was, I would give criticism to, um, slick shoes. when I was like, <clears throat> What's this song about? And it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, okay, so she's crazy. That's it. But like, you know, to, to do my best, Joe Pesci. Crazy? How? How am I crazy? Um exactly. Do I amuse you? Um, be more specific. Be more, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't, it's just, but also coming off of like knowing what John can do with lyrics. Mm-hmm. I'm just like this this doesn't really say anything to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can write you can write songs that probably have a similar message that are maybe a little bit less on the nose. Right. So to speak. Yeah.
3: I don't know. That, you know. Hey, he's always got a mix of, you know, silly and profound and this is certainly on the silly side but uh yeah a mode of the silly side i'm not necessarily amped about so
1: yeah yeah (sighs) yes um uh now closing song yeah so long and which which is what we'll say to the section of yeah ace troubleshooter for the pot
3: your tear, tear rolls down my face
1: what was what was that from what, what were we were talking about like tears coming out of our face <laughs> all out of our fucking face <laughs> Come on. i think it was like face. a it's an mxpx song i think it was an arthur song is it maybe. Arthur? i <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna google it while we listen yeah okay to <laughs> okay so this we'll is so long we'll get to the bottom of this tears coming out of our goddamn faces <sighs>
0: So long, farewell, goodbye you crazy
10: southern
3: Just so we all have closure. Yes. it was not Arthur. It was MXPX. Okay. Uh, from you walk, I run. Um, okay. There's not much point in holding back the tears, and now the tears fall right out of my face. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Mike. Not always. Not always the poet, Laureate. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, oh man. Anyway, that's from the Let's Rock album, which you can yeah, go back we, and listen to our podcast. of.
1: Yeah, we uh we got some mileage out of the tears coming out of our face. Um, You sure did.
3: Um, (laughs) Anyway.
1: It's still good. Yeah. It's still good. All right. Anyway. Uh, So long is okay. Yeah. It seems like one of those um, personal songs.
0: Yes. Like Uh, a
1: specific
3: friend. Yeah. uh, A southerner.
1: (laughs) Hatch and Brian. Hatch and Brian are in
3: there. Yeah. Seems very specific. Yeah.
1: Someone's Um, moving. Someone's, mm -hmm. you know, they're referencing very specific things like don't sit in that gum right, as you're yeah. lounging in the sun.
3: So I guess it makes sense as a closer in that sense where it's sort of yeah. like an inside joke thing and like saying goodbye to a chapter, you know, so long, obviously an album closer, but again, like we've had these epic yeah, fortress, you know, numinous, even if yeah. it's not the actual closing track. And this is kind of like, Hmm, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wish it, Blew through the roof like those other songs did. Yeah, but and that, but they so do
1: tack on the uh, a little bit of a seaside. Yeah,
3: ending there. I don't mind that. Um, I also like the Glockenspiel.
0: <laughs> 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 Sounds good. <laughs> John Warren,
1: feel end. free. Feel free to if you want to remix that, we can. Yeah,
3: we can send you the isolated tracks if you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. I think no, I like I, that's a nice way to close it out with that second part of that. Yeah, um, I wanted to say I do like the, the little glockenspiel mallet action and so long, which I kind of like. Um, yes, but uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Never enough. Um, curious to hear folks' thoughts and how uh, people
1: related to this record. If they were, I mean, we yes. have we have some people that are. Um, uh who said they're like grateful for us covering ace because they didn't listen to them and they thought they should have or they didn't listen to them because they assumed they wouldn't like them but now they're listening to them and they do and then they're mm. people like jason from la who's just like that's eh, not really his thing sure um he's kind of like an old school tooth and nail right, guy right. so that makes sense in some ways um uh but yeah i'm I'm glad that we we covered this, um, this section of uh, of the catalog and, um, you know, from their self release to a B C, then
3: to Tooth and Nail. Um, Speaking of those albums, yeah, man. So we time uh, to rank them. I think it's time to rank them, bro. Back in that ranking match, I don't know. That's dumb. (laughs) Sure. We'll go. We'll do that. Um, I don't Uh, think I I will be shocked if our rankings are different. I will
1: be. I think this might be the only time in Magpod history where we are (laughs) almost certain to have the exact same. Yeah. um, Same five, same ranking.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So. Why don't you you say them and I'll say if there's any different for me.
1: (laughs) Okay. Number five. Back in the shooting match. Yes number four don't stop a rocking correct number three it's never enough mm-hmm. number two madness of the crowds yep number one self-titled ace troubleshooter now i would be which is just surprised. pretty much it's pretty much the, <laughs> the uh, order release <laughs> yeah pretty uh, pretty much almost yeah
3: i mean it you know the the self-release things are their own deal but uh yeah, I, I would be surprised if anybody disagreed with us, but if you do, let us know. I know that, I mean, even Isaac from the band said that he Madness was his preferred Ace album, which I guess I could see. I like that album quite a bit, and I could yeah. see if you're more into that vibe. That would be the one thing I might change if there was any variation. Right. Um, but uh, speaking of good songs from these albums yes gotta do that set list baby we gotta
1: do that set list bro i gotta stop sharing my screen so you don't see my set list mm, bro
3: i wasn't looking this this was a particularly fun one for me um and once again now i really want to see the set and i can't yeah. <laughs> so i know
1: and also it's like when you think like this is a uh i it's 10 song set list yeah. uh for those who are curious who maybe. I don't know. We, I just feel like we need to explain uh, every time we do this. We are creating a set list from all of the albums, available albums that and what we have covered uh, and creating 10 songs of a set list that we would like to see. Um, and sometimes John and I approach this differently
3: but sure
1: I feel like we when with uh with Dogwood we were pretty spot on yeah
3: I think I I assume we'll have a fair amount of overlap here
1: yeah so Um, do you want to do you want to go first
3: you want to go first okay sure um so yeah I mean well whatever I'll just dive in so number one Southeast 101 I feel like it's kind of the only way you can start a set Um, so blowing things off (laughs) that's not an expression (laughs) with that song just blowing Um, things
1: off over here we gotta get the the show going we gotta blow it off we gotta blow this off baby (laughs) Uh,
3: number two Denise uh, continuing just like the album keeping it going Um, I think this is a song I like more than you but I think it's really well sequenced on the album uh, where Southeast 101 goes straight into that I think this would also is, is a beloved song for fans, so would kind of continue from that era. Number three, though, slowing it down a little bit, have it all, uh, hitting up Ooh. that madness era. Um, then number four, my one selection from It's Never Enough, uh, Ball and Chain. Um, so that's kind of a little bit slowed down and then into another banger. It's the one from this era. Then a little slow jam, hold your sweetie close. Let's hear Estella. For number five. Ooh. Um, after that, you know, you've had a nice little slow dance. Then you want to rip your arms off. So it's time <laughs> for that portion of the set. We got misconceptions. Old school banger. Open up that pit. Mm. Then go into two o'clock your time. Okay. Which, you know, transitions into a little bit of a slower love song, but then explodes into an <clears> anthem, <throat> anthem once again. Um, then another hard hitting banger with the madness of the crowd. Okay. And then we're at the penultimate selection, which is tonight. Saving what everybody's waiting for. Have that as the nearly final song. And then, of course, much like Southeast 101 was the only way I could open the set. I'm closing the set with Fortress. It's a perfect closer. I would really love to hear the song live again. Perhaps in some universe, someday I will. But yeah, kind of an interesting mix. I mm. so this is five from self-titled, four from The Madness of the Crowd, one from It's Never Enough. Um there were some songs that were not in my top three uh, that I, uh, or there were some songs that were there in yours that were not in mine that I included here because I thought they would be good for a set. Yeah. And there were some in my top threes that I didn't include because they just didn't quite fit. Um, Numinous, I wanted to include, couldn't right. really make it work. Right. There's no First Corinthians 13, which I think fans would love to hear, but I'm kind of fine without. No Amanda, same. And but for grace was my number two from Mm -hmm. Into the Crowd, which I really love, but couldn't really find a spot for here. So that's my deal,
1: John. (laughs) We have nine of ten.
3: That's pretty wild. That's pretty out of all the songs. That's pretty close, actually. Yeah.
1: We uh, and what's interesting, John, and this is what's interesting. (laughs) This is very. This is very interesting. Mm -hmm. You chose the one song that we differ on. Is a song that was in my top three well uh, and i swapped it out mm. for a song that was in your top three
3: okay fascinating fascinating
1: so um uh i won't i won't i'm just sure. gonna blow through these since we have okay. all pretty much the same stuff Sounds um good. opening up southeast 101 of course yes. uh madness of the crowd denise sure. misconceptions slowing it down two o'clock your time just for a minute Mm
4: -hmm.
3: and
1: then we take it into tonight okay and then we heat it back up with some ball and chain sure then have it all and then we we're burning this thing out with some butt for grace oh yeah uh because it but for grace has that has that sick um (laughs) one of the things that pushed that over for me is when we talked about like we envisioned like the sort of the stroke we, we envisioned some like the uh the strobe light effect yeah, going yeah, on yeah, totally. the... Ugh, <laughs>
0: sounds great.
1: and then we have to end it with fortress
3: yeah you might have convinced me i mean so what do i have in that you don't
1: uh estella
3: estella which is one of your faves yes but um, i i
1: I I had that I was like, if I want to have a kind of a slower jam, I felt like, you know, I wanted to have I wanted to have um, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. Like when I approached the record, uh, I was like how I guess how I approach the record versus how I approach. Like the sequencing of songs I want to see, you know? Yeah, right. It's it's I don't know, is it different? Well,
3: yeah. It's pretty great. It's I nice. mean, I like that song more than, like, I don't know, 80% of A songs. Like, it's way <laughs> up there for me. And it didn't make the cut because I was trying to sort of do the same kind of peaks, valleys, and set moving around that you did. But I, I'm pretty convinced by your argument. <laughs> like <laughs> I like that song better than Estella uh, and would like to see it live most, but was kind of thinking of the, like, you know, how does the thing, how does this thing snake around these different movements of the set? But yeah, boy, I would like to hear that song live a lot. I think your set is great. I think it's wild that we had nine out of 10. Yeah, I, had a,
1: to, a... I went through and had to heart everyone. Cause I'm like, I just want to <laughs> make sure. I Cause I was yeah. like, Oh man.
3: Yep. Yep. I mean, good set list. Hey, John Warren, if you want to, Put this thing back together.
1: I mean, reunion
3: time. We got your 10 song set list ready to go.
1: I mean, we did, <laughs> we, we were talking, uh, doing a, uh, do a, an ace reunion with a <laughs> yellow second and fast feeling, um, I mean, so show. Wonderful. Just like we so get wonderful. all the John Warns, we get all the, the Scott Kerrs, the Andy Verdeccios in there, just, just, getting all those dudes just like jumping back and forth between bands and like everybody being exhausted by the end of the night.
3: (laughs) (laughs) What a fun
1: night that would be. Oh my god.
3: Um, That would be a great third anniversary gift, Uh, everybody. (laughs) Pull that off yes, for our podcast.
1: Yes, for if if everybody could um, do what they could to reunite (laughs) a band that hasn't played in 17 years, and the Fast Feeling, a band that's uh, never actually played a live show. Hey,
3: these are people who've had great success on Kickstarter. So I say we get a Kickstarter going, we see what happens. We can, yeah. we can make.
1: We don't need to ask for permission. We'll just do yeah. it. We'll yeah, just... exactly.
3: <laughs> um, well, that was Ace Troubleshooter. Sure mm. had a lot of fun talking about them. Uh, they're a band that has meant a lot to me, and it was really fun to dive in. Hear some of the stuff I haven't heard in forever and some stuff I'd never heard and and get to know John and Isaac a little bit. And just again, these are these are great folks. And yes, these are great albums. And I, I really enjoyed it. So
1: yeah, it's hard to it's it's hard to think of a band that yes, they've they ace had a short run when you think of their just their three. Main albums uh, but like there's not really in one of these albums where I'm like, eh, this doesn't hold up or whatever right I feel like that there's even with um it's never enough, there's still solid moments on it. It's not like I listen to it's never enough, and I'm like, what a right. bad record or right, anything right like that or what a bummer record, you know, as some of the other you know bands that we've covered were like eh, this is not great but like yeah. i just think that even when a song is like fine i'm just like there's still john's lyrics come through or yeah. the textures are there or there's like an interesting there's something interesting there um but yeah i'm i'm just i think these are three solid records
3: absolutely i mean varying
1: um, with varying degrees of like Preference, of course, but like I, I still think these are these yeah. are strong records.
3: For sure. And he, of course, went on to make significant contributions in Reliant K. Uh, we will not cover that, but you can hear more about that on our buddies the City Hawkins pod. Um, you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll have more to say about Ace in the future, maybe we won't. Um, but in the meantime, let us know what you thought about their discography, about it's never enough, about our rankings and set lists you can do that at magnified pod on instagram facebook and twitter subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and give us a rating or review i gotta say those reviews few and far between folks let's get mm. some silly reviews going and i will read them on the pod yes uh email if you're, us if
1: you're listening if you listen to the pod <laughs> uh-huh. and you haven't left a review get come on <laughs> we know we know there i mean we know there are folks out there who listen to the pod and they don't call in and they don't in, and that's fine it's like fine. you don't you do you, you don't you don't need to like leave us a voicemail necessarily but like if you want to leave us a review and you don't want us to like and you don't want your voice on the pod that's fine leave us a review yeah. say something silly say something nice <laughs> yeah but you know
3: a call to action yes for Magpod nation there you go uh email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com
1: leave and you and you can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 8727 mag You can
3: support us over at the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash magnifiedpod. And we want to welcome new Patreon punk, John Beaver. Welcome, John. Thank you for joining us. Yes. Uh, and you can pick up some sweet merch at com. Thanks to Shadow Producer Jason and Unoriginal Vinyl, and thanks to Heavy Ordnance Studios for our artwork. Well, our time in the penalty box is over for this week. We'll be back out on the ice next week.
1: Oh, yeah. There's only one way to end this section of this season.
3: Los Angeles, Anthony Kiedis on Fortress,
2: I don't know, talking about doing heroin, talking about
1: what I'm wearing, I'm Anthony Kiedis, I wear things to emphasize my penis, Great bit. Yeah. I don't know why uh <laughs> the perfect way to end. <laughs> the perfect way to end talking about Anthony Keatis'
4: penis.
6: For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.